What if I just watched Goldeneye instead? <laughs> if you make me watch this movie by myself, I'm going to. And, I, and I, the entire time I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Clay. Pierce Brosnan was in this movie. It was really good. of Racing to the Middle podcast that, you know, wonders, hey, is Uva Bowl doing anything right now? Is that what we wonder? <laughs> I mean, listen, if he's hiring, like, we'll take it. Okay, so for anybody who is new to the podcast, uh, this is the show where we uh, look at an entire actor's filmography. Uh, we start with the best movie on Rotten Tomatoes, or I should say the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes, and then we go back down to the lowest rated, and we keep alternating, trying to get to the middle as fast as we can. You know what? We gotta mention... Um What's that? Well, Joel Schumacher died not too long ago, and he and uh, he and Cage, I think, were buddies. They did eight. Oh yeah. They did yeah, eight yeah. millimeter together, and they did. Um, yeah. Oh, what else? They they did Trespass together, and uh, I believe Joel Schumacher's original intention was to do a third Batman movie of his own and cast uh, Nick Cage as the Scarecrow. Oh, that would have been amazing. I know what could have been. Like, what could have been if, if oh boy. We can we can both agree that um, Batman and Robin is not a good movie, right? right? I I genuinely love Batman Forever, but Batman and Robin is really boring. Yeah, it's it's really boring and it's very bad, and there's a lot of really lame jokes and yes. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger should not have been allowed even the same zip code as that movie. Uh, well, oh, I mean, like, to be fair, he is the most fun part of the movie. He is, but like. Mr. Freeze is actually a cool villain. Like, he's got some pathos to him. He delivers the best line in the movie. I believe he says it's after he freezes Robin, and George Clooney has to decide whether to chase Mr. Freeze or unfreeze Robin. And he says, What will you do, Batman? Save the boy or chase the bad guy? Ah ha ha! Your emotions make you weak. That's why this day is mine. <laughs> you know what? Fair enough, Hayden. Your emotions I'm, I'm make you. There wasn't an ice putt in that. <laughs> Your emotions make you weak. That's why this day is mine. I'm going to yell that I mean, anytime I get the better of someone, which will never happen, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yell that at a student one day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just you give them an F, and they're really sad about it. You say your emotions make you weak. Like while they're like. When I write them, write them a referral and send them to the office, just be like, your emotions make you weak. That's why the day is mine. <laughs> and you run out the classroom. <laughs> yeah, I run out the classroom and the rest of the students are just like, where did he go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Hayden. Yes. Uh, you been watching anything interesting this week or, or enjoying anything that, uh, that, that people should know about? What have I been watching this week? Hold on. Let's. Hold on. You say something while I look up what I've been watching. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. I Well, I will say this. Uh, last night I did watch uh, 
for like the hundredth time, uh, Goldeneye, the the like first Pierce Brosnan James great, Bond movie. Great movie. It is really good. And uh, look, I'm all, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna ho- go ahead and preface this. Yes, I get it. Like James Bond is a very problematic character, and this movie is no exception. Um, we'll say this. Do you know the really sad thing is as sexist and misogynistic and chauvinist as like the James Bond movies are. Do you know the books are like way worse, like infamously yes. worse way, than the movies? Way, 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 way worse. Like, oh yeah, like Ian Fleming as a person just has nothing but contempt for women. So it's funny that, that I, it's funny <laughs> that you just watched it because I I just finished. I watched all of them. All like I watched them in order. Um, and I uh, I've been meaning to do that. Yeah, I just finished I, not too long ago. And look, it might be it might in fact be the most problematic James Bond movie, but you only live twice is, is ranks pretty high on my list. It's, it's sad how good it is as a Bond movie, but it is the most problematic. Well, see, I've just, it's not, it's not a good, okay. I don't know. It's not a great movie because it is, (laughs) it is so silly and ridiculous. And like, it's, it's everything that the Bond movies were in the 60s. Oh, oh, yeah. But I'm saying, like, even... Yeah. It doesn't even have the best rear screen projection out of those movies. It's not, <laughs> like, the... F- there is a fight scene. Like, it's so funny, because when I watched them, I knew that going into, like, From Russia With Love, I was like, oh, this is the one with the awesome fist fight that everybody always talks about. And yeah. I'm sure everybody still talks about it, because it is a good fist fight, because it's a... It's a brawl inside a very small train car, which is cool. But, yeah. I mean, there are, like, fistfights in the following five movies that are better than that one. And they're just, you yeah. know, overlooked because, I guess, you know, that one was the first one. But um, yeah. there is a fistfight in I, You Only Live Twice that is even better of, like, him and this huge Japanese guy just destroying this room trying to get at one another. Oh, yeah, I know where you're talking about. Like, in the in the mm. Japanese businessman's, like, uh, room at the... Yeah, yeah but it also has... That is a good fight. Scene. It also has my favorite... Uh, I think that's my favorite song, is the You Only Live Twice you theme. You Only Live Twice theme is pretty good. Yeah, but... But, because... Uh, Goldeneye was the first Bond movie I ever saw as, like, a kid. And so I'll always have a nostalgic... Uh, attraction in that movie and an erotic attraction to Famke Jansen as Xenia on a top. The, uh, the femme fatale who strangles men Your between her thighs. Men with her legs. <laughs> she it's the, and, Hey, hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Her name is Xenia on a, on a top. On a top. Cause she likes being on top. Yes. I, do you think that's when she decided I, that she would be, like a murderous, uh, a, a dominatrix murderess after she was like, well, my last name is on a top, so I might as well. That's a good point. Like, I feel like she was kind of forced into that. Role. All of these characters, they're, yeah, all of these characters were destined to be what they are because of their names. Yeah, because of their name. Yeah. Um, I will also admit I was a full on adult before I realized that was Famica Jensen. Oh, my God. Like, I... you're right. I agree with you. Like, it's the first Bond movie I saw because I remember, like. Uh, when I was a kid, I was at my like my grandmother's and was watching TV, and I, I still can kind of like play most of the like TV spot trailer for it <laughs> because it was like one week it was like the weekend movie uh-huh. on like one of the basic like you know uh, uh, network television uh-huh. stations, and uh, 
Yeah, I saw that movie as like a young child. That was the first Bond movie I ever saw, and I was just like, "Oh, this is great! Like, this is I want all of I want to see all of these." And then I find out that like, oh, it's a TV, it's a movie series from like all the way back to the '60s. And I'm not gonna lie, I had the entire series on VHS at one point. Good God, that's yeah. a huge set. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all the way from from Doctor No all the way up to um, the world is not enough. I had every single movie on VHS. <laughs> so what's that like and twenty? Then, that's like twenty movies. It's like then. twenty some odd movies, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then now I of course have the the Bond uh, Blu-ray uh, collection. Hell yeah! And I've also attempted the like watch every single one in a, in a you know in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did it a couple summers ago, and I got I got to the Spy Who Loved Me. And it was at that point I was just like I was so burned out with them. I was just like I need to take a break, and I've never gone back. Some of those, some of those early movies just run together so much. You do have to mm-hmm. space them out, and like, yeah. and yeah, I mean, if you're not a Roger Moore fan, the Roger Moore movies. Oh, I kind of def- am. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, Roger I am too. Moore, Roger Moore is unfairly maligned in some of his because, like, yes. yes, I agree. Some of his later stuff is way too goofy and silly but he's got some bangers oh dude live and let die is one of the best ones period which is also kind of problematic <laughs> i yeah i think i have a problem where the problematic like, ones are my favorite ones Bond, but black exploitation and there's some but there's definitely some parts that's like who um you can't get away with that all right but but like the movie but that, that song, it is i mean it literally has like a Literally has like a Smokey and the Bandit chase scene in it, and oh, that's true. That is one of the best. It's swinging for the fences. Baron oh, yeah. Baron yeah, Somdi yeah. is like one of my favorite villains, even though he's, he's so weird and out of place. Yeah, he's he's not even like a main heavy or anything like that. He's just yeah, that dude is iconic. Yeah, and then um, the other thing is that it's, it's theme songs by Paul McCartney. To live in fucking that. Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah, no, uh, um, some good shit. (laughs) Yeah, um, JW Pepper is like one of the best. Like, he's a terrible racist cop, but like, (laughs) he's so funny. He shows up in one of the later ones. (laughs) Yeah, he's a man with the golden gun, which I will have to say, that's my second to least favorite one. Really? Yeah, it's it's it, man that overall I found, that one was so disappointing because yeah I love Christopher Lee and man he deserved a better Bond movie. I thought it was fine. I liked that one. Man, the only I, part I have against it is the is the weird like corkscrew stunt scene where they put in a slide whistle. It's it ruins that, really stu- that. It ruins that stuff. It ruins the stunt. But I mean, like the rest of the movie, I thought was fine. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the one that I ranked last. It's really iconic too. I tried to. Um, um, I tried pulling up my letterbox to see what I've been watching, but it won't load. So, me and my friend <laughs> have been watching. Uh, my friend from back in Central Texas, we've been watching um, her favorite reality TV show, which I hate reality TV, but it's you know it. I do like some trash every now and then, and it is trash. Yeah. It's a 90 day fiance before the 90 days. And it is oh, one of the most stressful things I've ever seen. I can imagine. It's um, horrifying. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, well, I have one other thing that I really like to talk about because I don't get, to, it's not a thing I get to talk about and get to plug. And because we have nothing to talk about in the intro to this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, anybody, anybody who uh, who cares to listen and, and um, 
is interested in music. And I don't know if I've talked to you about this. I probably not because we haven't really talked too much until we started this podcast, uh, really enough. Um, uh, so next month on the 14th, I want to plug, uh, y'all should go check out the new EP by, uh, Orville Peck. Oh, I love Orville um, Peck. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, he's fucking great. Like mm-hmm. I found out about his music on, uh, on like Christmas day and I'm not going to lie. Probably at least once a week, uh, pony is just on my, is on my playlist. Cause it's so good. Oh. I mean, like, mm. There was there was a time where I'm not gonna lie I was listening to that that album on repeat when I li- so when I lived in Austin just a few years ago and I was getting trained to project 35 millimeter we were up in the projection booth and uh, we'd be there pretty late and the guy training me would just like hook up his Spotify and I specifically remember like hearing this very eerie very like forlorn song and I was like what is this country western song that i've never heard before in my life it's amazing and like i like i listened to the lyrics and googled it because i don't have shazam or anything like that but uh i'm like old but uh yeah i wound up googling it and uh it was dead of night and i play that song on repeat uh, every now and then it's a great song my personal my personal favorite if you uh if you want a recommendation definitely check out the music video for turn to hate okay I think that's my favorite, uh, and that's a great music video. Um, but I'm, I mean, they're I'm all good. I'm sorry, There's I interrupted you. Song. What is Orville Peck doing pretty soon? Oh, he's got an EP coming out next month oh, cool. uh, on the 14th. It was supposed to come out in June, but he uh, he decided to to postpone it because of all the Black Lives Matter protests. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's an ally, man. Well, I'll dude. I'll throw out and and a recommendation as well. Um, I just finished reading so. Read a lot this year. I read 10 books in like two months, which is very fast for me. Yeah. Um, and I read the new Max Brooks Bigfoot book, and it's a stinker. Don't read it. But <laughs> after that, I read um, Stephen Graham Jones, uh, who is a Native American horror author. And uh, he's – everything I've read by him, I've only read – I'll be I'll cop to it. I've before this book I've only read his short story collection after the people lights have gone off and that's a really wild collection. It's very strange, mm-hmm. really kind of neat. Uh, so I'd recommend that, but he just had a new book come out called The Only Good Indians and it's the best oh. book. Yeah, it's the best book I, I've read all year. You know what? I don't remember where, but I I think like uh I think somebody I follow on Twitter was like was amplifying um, books and, and sci-fi and horror books mm-hmm. by uh, non-white writers and, yeah. and, and people of color and, and uh, First Nation people. And I think I'm pretty sure that one popped up. It's definitely getting traction now more than it would have if it had come out at any other time, which right. I'm thankful for because the guy deserves yeah. it. He's been yeah. a prolific writer for a long, long time. If it takes a movement to get him... Uh, yeah, if it takes a movement to get him uh, noticed, you know, by all means, he's a he's a fantastic writer. Right. Um, he deserves it. The only good Indians is just like a wild. I, I know I just described his short story collection like this, but it is a freaky weird ride. It's like yeah. it's. I don't want to say anything because it's much better. Like I. Beforehand, I knew a little bit about what it was about, and I wound up listening to a few interviews with him, 
And even the small snippets uh, that I had heard from like non-spoiler reviews and from a few interviews with him, even those kind of led me down a certain road to where I expected a few things that wound up happening. But if you just Mm -hmm. go into it just knowing that it's about these four native friends who went hunting a long time ago and uh, a a terrible thing happened... And they're kind of haunted by it. If that's all you know, then and that sounds interesting at all, uh, definitely pick it up. It's a fantastic horror book. All right, I, I will definitely. Uh, and that's out that. now. So. All right. Cool. Okay, so Hayden, we uh, no. we're here for a very specific reason. No. Very specific. No. <laughs> if you were if you were with us last week at the end, you you heard us talk about the, and set up the next movie we're going to be watching in our deep dive into Nicolas Cage's filmography. We're watching the 1989 movie Time to Kill. Not not the one you think it is, because I yeah I know we opened this up by talking about Joel Schumacher. This is not the Joel Schumacher movie. No, <laughs> and it's also not the the nineteen nineties classic uh, McConaughey film with uh, I believe. Well, that that's uh, time to kill. That's the one that was directed by Joel Schumacher. Oh, was it? Yeah, with uh, with Samuel Jackson. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Oh, you're right. I always get that one confused with the gas with the chamber, and that's uh, that's uh, Chris Chris O'Donnell. Never mind. Yes. I always get those two confused. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean they're they're John Grisham novels adapted into movies. <laughs> they're they're kind of all the same, right? But this yeah. is not this is not that. No, it was not that. It's uh, a movie where Nick Cage is a soldier in Africa. He's a colonizer, and he uh, does colonizer shit. I and we hate to describe and, it this way, but it's the only thing we know about the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, the only if you look it up, I'm going to I'm just going to tell you I, I in our little cage-free game, which I didn't mean to use the movie that was right, next. going to be the next one. It's just it was too perfect of uh-huh. a movie. And I and I knew that if like I used it later, right. it would be too obvious. Right. No, I'm just going to read word for word. This is the only thing that we know about this movie as per like per Rotten Tomatoes. A young soldier in Africa, Nicolas Cage, wanders away from his camp and meets a woman who he rapes and kills. But when he returns to his outfit, he finds he can't escape his tormenting conscience. That's all we know about this movie. And as I told Hayden, I was like, like I found that it was on YouTube and I wanted to make sure that it was in English, that it would be in a, in a, in a format that we could understand and comprehend and be able to watch. I don't want to say necessarily enjoy, but you get what I mean. And the first thing I clicked to is Nick Cage raping a woman. Like, what, like I clicked to a done? random scene of the movie. I couldn't even tell like if the movie was in English or not <laughs> because like there's just silence. It's just what have it's you, bad. What have you done? It's bad, y'all. Look, I, no one should watch this movie. I will admit your idea for this, your idea for the format of the show is great, but. <laughs> For a long time now, it means that we will be dreading watching every other week. <laughs> yeah. Every other week, we're going to dread what's happening to us for so long. 
I mean, Hayden, I've 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 made a list. I've made a list of po- of like the the episodes. All right. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna tell you by the time we get to episode thirty, that's how far I've I've already like mapped out for us. Mm-hmm. On the low end. Okay. Yeah. We will still be. We will st- we will barely be in double digits on the tomato rotten tomatoes tomato meter. Hey man, the guy works. <laughs> the thirtieth episode will be will be has ten percent on rotten tomatoes. We'll finally be in double digits. He has so many movies that are under ten percent on rotten tomatoes. Jesus. Now here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I think. What if we're one of those ten percent? Because because you have to understand the thing about Rotten Tomatoes yeah. is it's not it's not an objective critique of no, the movie. No, it's just all it ten percent of the people who yeah ten percent of the people who have reviewed it uh, gave it a favorable review. Exactly. What if we're part of that ten percent? What if what if we watch it? We're like I don't know what ninety percent of these reviewers are saying. This movie is actually pretty good. Clay, I can guarantee you. You know me. I'm a contrarian and a hipster. I will come down as the 10% on a few of these, I'm sure. You probably will. I'm sure. Well, okay, so just to catch the readers, the, uh, sorry, to catch the listeners up on, on the current movie we're going to be watching, um, this movie does not have a Rotten Tomatoes meter rating. <laughs> it is on the list of movies on Rotten Tomatoes. He is a starring role. Um, this is an Italian-made feature film. So we may be the first people uh, to have ever seen it. Probably so. I, well, that's not true. It's it's on YouTube, so we can probably and there's a couple versions on YouTube, so we could add up how many people have watched it on YouTube and could have an accurate number. And we could count the likes and dislikes. That's also true. We could figure out what the percentage of people like. But the movie on Rotten Tomatoes has a 21% uh, favorable liked it rating. Right. So still, out of the handful of people who watch this movie, 21% of them. A little bit over one out of five like this movie. This is looking bleak. Uh, this is bleak. And you know what? This podcast is looking kind of bleak because <laughs> this is what we've signed up for. Half of twice out of a month, give or take. We're going to be watching a movie that's probably just as, you know, bonkers as this. So um, should we uh, should we get into it? I. Clay, can we watch Goldeneye instead? <laughs> I've already watched it, so I mean, you know, you do what you want, but uh, you also better watch uh, Time to Kill before uh, before we start up our next comeback. Okay, well, we're gonna go subject ourselves to Time to Kill, um, and we'll uh, we'll be right back for England, Clay. No, for me. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs>
from that quick break. Quick break. <laughs> yeah, like we were Clay, only gone I, for Clay, a lot of stuff has happened in the last hour and a half. A lot. Uh, yeah, it, it's been exactly an hour and a half because we've only left to go watch that movie and have done nothing else in that no, time period. I didn't get COVID. My parents didn't get COVID. <laughs> I didn't have to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah, no, none of that happened. Like, we're both perfectly fine and healthy. Um, there still is the threat that one of us could get the COVID and, you know, that would be the end of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, wait, it would... Would that happen if one of us got COVID? I wouldn't I have know. to watch these movies. <laughs> uh, I would hope if I got COVID and died, you would carry on in, in honor of my memory. Oh God, please don't die, Clay. <laughs> I mean, for for every other reason, but also this one. There's a new reason. Well, if I live, you still have to watch the movies, though. Yeah, but I don't want. But have because to do this because alone. but hey hey because you haven't got the COVID yet then there's no chance of you, there's still a chance of you getting and dying. And then you wouldn't have, that'd be the one situation where you wouldn't have to watch the movies. If I hypothetically got it hypothetically again, um, <laughs> I think it might, I don't know. I don't know if your body's stronger after you've had it once. I was told that, uh, you know, in the hour and a half that it took for us to come back, I was told right. by a doctor that, um, my antibodies should be strong enough for the next two months to fight it off. Not that I'm going to just go out, you know, without a mask, touching and licking everything. But right, right, right. I am considering if theaters open at the end of August like they say they are, which it's not going to happen. But if they do, if the crowd sizes aren't, you know, a lot... I'm thinking I might try and go see a movie in a theater just to see how fucking weird and tense the experience is. It's like you go watch like a new like Disney animated movie and it's like a more tense situation than like a regular ass horror movie. Yes. It's <laughs> it's like it's like you like Tenet might be the most stressful movie I've ever seen in my life. If... Oh, God. Uh, that's a good point. Like, yeah. you know what? You know what is the most tense movie uh, uh, experience I've ever had? What? What's that? Uh, watching Hidden Gems on like three hours of sleep in a theater at eleven Wait, o'clock in the morning. Hidden, uncut gems? Or uncut? Yeah. What yeah, is hidden that, gems? I have no idea. I'm tired. That's got to be something. Uh, but yeah, I, no. I'm tired and I'm hungover. No, uncut so. gems. Uncut gems is stressful. I will say, yeah. my most stressful movie experience was uh so we watched or i had to watch joker uh for whenever i was a projectionist i watched joker opening day right before i started my shift where i was running a 35 millimeter projector all by myself so it was the most stressed i have ever been during a movie mainly because i was already stressed out and then the movie itself is just so um uncomfortable yeah, it's and, a very uncomfortable movie. Yeah, and all the all the security guards we had staying outside the theaters and everything. You know, you just couldn't get out of that like very oppressive mind space. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uncomfortable movies, let's talk about Time to Kill. Oh, Clay. Um, you know, okay, I will I, say this. I I mentioned it to you through message. Uh, I I did say previously. You know you've got a problem when the biggest... Wait, hold on. You know you've got a problem when uh, 
the worst thing about your movie isn't even the rape. Uh, so, I, yeah. like, I will say, the, to me, the this movie was unbearably boring. But, I yeah, given that, I, I will be surprised if this is the worst. You know, given everything, I will be surprised if this is the worst Cage movie. That is the sad thing. I don't think it can be the worst Cage movie. It, it's it can't. Impossible. Left no, Behind can't. has to be worse. Right. Yeah. Um, and others. There's so so many others that have to be worse. Um, I'm kind of, yeah. I can't even think of them. That's how bad they are. So I was looking. I I wanted to know the context of like. So this movie came out in 1989. Right. Um, there's like nothing about it online. Like. Oh, I actually I do know some things. I, oh, I okay. did find some stuff in well, research. All right. all right. Well, I guess I didn't research that hard. But I couldn't find very much. But I was interested to see what if he had if he had like because I knew he was in Valley Girl in the early eighties. Yeah. But I was like, okay, clearly Cage is here for his name. But this seems like something that was probably filmed a few years ahead of time, and kind of kept until you know he was a bigger name. Possibly. It was eighty nine, so it was. 83 was Valley Girl and Rumblefish with his uncle. Um, then uh, Racing with the Moon, which I've never seen or heard of. The Cotton Club, which was with his uncle. Um, a few others. Peggy Sue Got Married in 1986. Uh, Raising Arizona in 1987. And Moonstruck that same year. He had a good 1987. And the very next year was Vampire's Kiss, a movie called Never on Tuesday and Time to Kill. So, where was he at as a celebrity at this time? Because he was in some big movies, but yeah. was he Nicolas Cage at that point? Probably not, because I feel like, from my understanding, like Moonstruck was kind of his big breakout role. Yeah. So, like, he probably was, like, kind of... You're probably not wrong that this movie was filmed before uh, its, its uh, release date. Like, mm-hmm. well before its release date, um... Now there are some there are some interesting little tidbits of information behind this movie. I know okay. it's based on a book. It's based on a book by a guy who was uh, the screenwriting partner of Federico Fellini. Oh, and I know it was it, it was directed by the assistant director uh, who who had worked with Sergio Leone a bunch. Oh, see, okay, I missed that. You, yeah. that's yeah, that was news to me. But yeah. So like the guy who wrote eight and a half, or the guy, yeah, like the guy who helped like write eight and a half, uh, wrote the book that this movie was based on. And so, just to kind of give you the briefest synopsis. Well, of this oh, movie, hold on, Clay. I are want we not to, ready for that? No, no, no. I want to read the synopsis as given to us by uh, the Letterboxed app, if I could. <laughs> okay. Sure. Time to kill. The Italian name being Tempo di. Ucideri. That's my uh, best worst Italian accent. Yeah, that's terrible. Like yeah. we just made it so that we cannot, we can never break into the Italian market. Good job, Hayden. The tagline is "An innocent man just went over the edge of reason." Do we agree with that, Clay? No, he's a fascist. Yeah, he's like not literally of anything. Yeah, he's a he's literally an occupying army like soldier in uh, ethiopia in an african country that he's like he's directly trying to colonize for the fascist italian government an innocent fascist clay to be fair there is no such thing 
Well, this has been a this has been a reminder to punch your local Nazi. Yeah. All right. Here's the here's the synopsis. 1936, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Right. All right. 1936. Italian army is invading Ethiopia. Lieutenant Silvestri suffering toothache decides to reach the nearest camp hospital, but the lorry has an accident and stopped near a rock. <laughs> Not Iraq, a rock. So Silvestri oh continues by walk. On his way, he meets and rapes a wonderful young Ethiopian. <laughs> I'm sorry, the wording, the wording. It's on, so bad. On his way, he meets and rapes a wonderful young Ethiopian. He also wound her when he shot to a wild animal and later kills her to avoid further pain. When he finally reaches the hospital, he realizes he gets probably leprosy. Trying to escape from Ethiopia, Silvestri will kill again, but surprises aren't still over. Oh, God. So... I've never really used Letterbox before. I know that like it's a place where people can go post their own uh, reviews. That is a rare. Whole... That is a rare synopsis, Clay. I love Letterboxd. Um, this is not indicative of the site as a whole. Oh, so you just you basically just found the most ridiculous synopsis? No, it's no, it's the official synopsis on the app. Oh, so this isn't just like written by a per- like a random ass person. Like, no, this is. No, this is this is the if you look up Time to Kill on Letterboxd, this is the synopsis that comes up. Then how was it was it written by an AI program? I I don't know. Did like I think it was written by someone who's stupid. <laughs> or possibly, you know, possibly a person who writes English as a second language. But then again, how does that person get to be the person who writes the official synopsis? Yeah, for, it, even in which case, they movie. should not be the person writing the synopsis. Yeah. Or have we considered that this is what this movie does to people? Maybe, maybe we're like... Yeah, maybe it was just, you know, it was somebody who just watched the movie. Maybe to us, like, we are speaking in a way that is, is a way that's communicable to other people, you know, that we, to us, we make sense, but to everybody else, we're just gibbering lunatics. Yeah. Or just spouting nonsense, kind of yeah. like a like we're like our own like new Cthulhu esque uh, cult, where we force people to watch Time to Kill. I I hope we forced no one to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, but see, I want to give into the chaos. I think, like if I got to be a gibbering lunatic that's been you know made to go insane by watching a cursed movie, I want to I want to give into the chaos. Twenty uh, Clay Hiller, twenty twenty. <laughs> give it to give into the chaos. <laughs> okay so so let's actually give a good synopsis of this a, movie a I mean, proper synopsis a, a, a like a coherent synopsis clay i'm gonna be honest with you i don't know how much i have to say about this movie and i was teasing before but i think this might be the shortest well definitely the shortest podcast oh. so far this is the shortest episode so far i'm sure but then yeah. again i don't know we might find a way to make it go on we always seem to do that. Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> Where our our five minute like trailer podcast episode turned into an official opening episode of two hours, of which I don't think I'm audible at all. No, you're you're, you're barely. <laughs> you can kind of hear you. 
Um, at least when the second episode comes out, it's only for the opening that you sound yeah. terrible. We got yeah. we got our uh, um, issues sorted out. Right. Hopefully. If you couldn't understand what Hayden was reading, uh, the basic gist of this movie is uh, Nicolas Cage plays a fascist soldier working for the Italian army, military, uh, in the 1930s Ethiopia. Uh, he tries to leave early... To go see a uh, dentist at about a, a hospital. Thing. About a toothache. He's got a toothache. Okay, that's very important. And so the car or the, the truck that he's riding in uh, crashes into a rock. Uh, and so he decides to make his way on foot. Uh-uh, Clay. Uh, uh-uh. Hayden, stop. The tr- Please. No, no, no. no the truck no. stop near a rock. Clay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I promise. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no. So, so he he decides to walk on foot. He makes his way to a uh, a construction site, gets directions uh, to go through the the to follow like a river and a lake to uh, find the camp. And while he's doing this. Uh, Apparently, the most horrible thing occurs, according to uh, the the UK uh, um, advisory board. Yeah. He gives a lizard a cigarette, which is you and I agree the best part of the movie. It's hilarious. It's because like it's one of those things where it just feels like the actor is just kind of fucking around on camera. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like it feels like Nicolas Cage was just like, hey, there's a lizard over there. Real funny if I gave it a cigarette. And, Clay, and then, like, the director's just like, yes, keep keep doing that. Go, go. And just, like, lets it happen. And it, it just makes its way into the film. Because, like, I think the movie, the movie's not even an hour and a half. It's, like, an hour and, like, 19 minutes. No, no, no. It's an hour and 10, or it's 110 minutes. It's an hour. It's over an hour and a half. And it feels like it. Oh, okay. But. I think it was shorter. But. It feels like it's forever. Clay, let me ask you something. Is it just me, or did, did that lizard... He looked pretty cool after he gave him that cigarette. <laughs> That's what we learned. Yeah. Lizards look cool when they're given cigarettes. Not people. People. And look no, cool e- everyone looods. looks cooler when they have a cigarette. <laughs> That's just observable. <laughs> yeah, you want to be cool? Smoke a cigarette. This episode brought to you by Marble. No, 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 no. You want to look cool? Smoke a cigarette. It's the difference between looking and being. But. I'm so sorry. He gives a lizard a cigarette. And it's really funny. And it's stupid. <laughs> and it's totally out of place in this movie. Which and is if why the I movie would have ended there, great movie. Great yeah, it would have been fine. Yeah. But, uh, so the, if I remember correctly, um, because it's been, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, because uh, I think I watched it before the recording. I can't remember. Well, you watched it an hour and a half ago. Yes. Uh, and I've already forgotten what happened an hour and a half ago. How long are we going to keep this bit going? Uh, the whole podcast, I think. <laughs> but, okay, so... Uh, but uh, if I remember correctly, we see him get to the base, like, the next night, or the next day. Yes. Without seeing what happens. And then, like, the rest, like, a lot of the movies then told in flashbacks. Yes. Which I think is kind of interesting, because... yeah. I think one of the things I said, I, I did post a, uh, I decided that I'm going to start posting my own personal review, like just quick bite reviews of these movies on Letterboxd. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me as uh, the Red Clay on Letterbox, like most uh, platforms. And so, I, one of the things I said about it is there almost was an interesting movie here. Like, like you could have made an interesting movie about this uh, or on this subject because, like, you know, you could have like it could have been a metaphor for like fascism, you know, and, and how it affects things and, and colonialism and. And all of this, there could have been that. And I think uh, one of the things that kind of recognized was what's interesting is the way the movie is presented. At first, I had like this knee jerk reaction because Nick Cage straight up rapes a woman in this movie. Well, hold on. Don't bury the lead. We haven't got there yet. Well, he starts telling the story to another another soldier. Yeah. We're kind of already there. We've we've mentioned how it's told in flashback. Yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, because I I had assumed that he had reached the camp in like a day or at least the next day, right? But it seems to have been like weeks later, and no one was looking for him or anything. You'd think he could have just stayed with the truck, and someone would have come along and picked him up. Well, no, that's the thing is they they would have because you do yeah. see a scene where. Like the rest of the the convoy catches up with the truck and is like, "Hey, where's the lieutenant?" And he's like, "I don't know. He went and walked off on his own." Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he would have. It, it sure made it seem well. No, it was like six hours later. But like, I think the thing is, is uh, the movie has a very bad pacing and the editing's kind of bad because that's the thing. We see this scene of him after he walks off on his own. It's like it cuts back to the guy at the the truck and the convoy catches up and to us it's only been like a handful of seconds but then they're like oh it's been six hours you know yeah and it's like there's no no sense of time like happening here like it's just everything happens so quickly but we're being told that like oh this he's been this guy's been sitting here for six hours Mm -hmm. you know and so it kind of really muddies the the timeline of things and 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 kind of muddies the muddles the movie but so he he finds a woman bathing. Right. Which already starts off like creepy because yeah. he like, he watches her for a, it probably was only like a few seconds, like maybe like 30 seconds to a minute, but like felt like an eternity. Cause he's just sitting there like creeping on this woman while she's trying to take a bath in like this little like spring. Uh, right. You know, and he's and, trying to ask her where he can find the camp. And she yeah. well, he's trying to find the lake. Trying to find oh, the lake. right, right. Yeah. Uh, so he he's trying to find the lake, and approaches her in the water, and it's it's a it's a creepy scene, but not not unbearably creepy until I, she runs I, away. I do feel that it's one of those things where the t- the people making it kind of didn't really think about how creepy this looked. Right. Oh, it's one I of those mean, things even, where it's like. Even the, I mean, the, I would almost argue, if not for the leprosy, well, I I don't know, because that's the entire point of the second half of the movie. So I was about to say, I don't even know if they quite um, grasped the, not even the implication, just like the rape itself is not (laughs) portrayed, you, you know, it's like. I don't know. It, she immediately just kind of fawns over him after it, okay, and then just see, follows so him around. That, so that, let's 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 kind of explain what happened. So yeah. he chases after her, 
and like catches up with her. He's he's like undressed himself and gone into the water with her, and then yes. she gets out and runs off, and he grabs a hold of her and then basically forces himself upon her. And like, it's also, it's it's not like there's. It's not, like, the most graphic thing I've seen, but there definitely is, like, a very clear shot of him, like, unbuckling his pants and, like, pulling them down. And it's, like... Oh, yeah. It's very, like... Well, and she... I mean, and she's completely nude. She is completely nude. She's completely nude, and, uh... It's very graphic. Yeah. Like, but, like... But despite... But, like, it's it's all, like, in... It's all in, like, the, the little things where it's graphic. Like, you don't see anything too much. But, like, it's just, like it's it's it, they go they go really deep into do going through the motions of a man raping a woman and it's like yeah. did we really need for this to go like this did this really is this how we had to do it yeah we have to be this realistic well but, uh, well i, I the mm, i i feel so weird talking about this yeah uh, because yeah, you know, two white guys talking two about white guys talking about rape, rape on a Nicolas yeah. Cage podcast, right? But, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, this isn't what we signed up for. <laughs> I, the the most pro, and I don't really like this word, but the most problematic part of it to me is that immediately she's just like, oh, now I'm just hanging out with you because you know you're cool, okay? And then so, and if it weren't for the turn that the movie takes, I was gonna be like. Oh, so they just don't really realize that it was, you know, or they don't treat it as rape, even though it was rape. But I think the leprosy thing, and I'm, I am jumping ahead now. The leprosy thing is like immediate karma. Right. And, 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 but like, I still, uh, I still have issues with it. Oh, no, absolutely. There's a good movie in here because here's the thing about it. Who's telling the story of his encounter with this woman? Right. Nicholas Cage's character. Right. Like, you could you could make the argument that he's an unreliable narrator and that what we are seeing is his idealized version of what happened and what possibly really happened, the implication would be that what really happened is that he raped this woman and then basically forced her to follow him under threat of, like, more violence. Right. And so, like obviously she is going to follow him because that seems to be the safest thing for her. Basically he kidnaps her rather than her follow him because I think you're bringing more to this than the movie. Um, oh, no, no, no. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Exactly. That's why I'm saying it's, it's, it's what made me go, huh? Yeah. This, the interesting thing about this is not the movie itself. It's like what it could have been because right. I, after I found out that it was like written by, you know, the guy who was a writing partner for an actual good director, I was, I was like, how, how does this thing happen? And like this, and I think that's gotta be part because like, that's the thing is that the story kind of sets up kind of like a, uh, um, a telltale heart kind of scenario where a person murders an individual and then is because of guilt has to, you know, deal with the ramifications and the consequences of said act. And the movie tries to do that by having him believe he contracted uh, contracted leprosy because uh, the woman that he rapes uh, was wearing a white turban and, and in near the camp that they were that he's stationed at there the, there are women nearby who are living in like a, a church chapel or something like that 
and they have leprosy and the way people know they have leprosy is because they were wearing similar um, yes. head wraps and that's yeah. and so he he convinces himself because while he was trying to bury her after he murdered her whether accidentally or possibly on purpose that we're not privy you know we're only allowed to see his interpretation of events because uh, what happened this is really kind of silly he um he he takes her into like a, a like a cave remember kind of he thing. was on the way to the dentist for a toothache right yeah, 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 yeah. and takes like a week-long sojourn yeah <laughs> with the woman that he raped yeah uh and while they're like in this cave they're attacked by hyenas and he shoots at them with his sidearm and one of the bullets ricochets and hits her in the gut. Yes. And um, I think which at first was which a- was foreshadowed earlier when at like I think right after he got his tooth pulled, he was uh, laying up resting and he said, "How long would it take for someone with a gut shot to you know to die?" And uh, and then the guy says, yeah, "Well, the- a gut shot is the most painful uh, wound you know you can get." And, yeah, um, it, he was like, it'd take days or whatever. And uh, I, th- I think that's to uh, just add to Nicolas Cage's guilt because th- this is before it goes into his story. But yeah, then um, it's like right before. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think it's I think it's later. I think he talks about it, about what happens afterwards later, where he finally admits to not not only like did she die because he accidentally shot her through a bullet ricochet but he actually like executes her and in his mind executes her as a mercy by yes. like shooting her in the head and then buries her in an unmarked grave um and while while he's done this he's tried to to eliminate all um all records of, of his presence there by like gathering up the bullet casings and gathering his his clothing and everything but he forgets that he left a a a watch that he gave let her wear a watch that would belong to him that didn't work anymore and so he had to reach into the crevasse where he buried her and pull out the watch and he scrapes his hand and that's the thing that like kind of catalyst is the catalyst for his descent into believing that he's uh contracted leprosy because of this uh encounter with this woman and that's what kind of sets off. His now, can guilt. you contract leprosy through sex with someone with leprosy? Uh, I don't think so necessarily, but it's it's just basically close contact because I think what it is is like it's a it's a bacterial infection like Staphylococcus. Like it's right. basically if you if you are in close proximity of another person who has it and you like touch them while they're infected, like the bacteria well, could get into an open wound or something like that. Close contact and touch are integral to the act of sex. So, right. It's it's not an STD per se because like it doesn't necessarily affect like the genital area. It's it's the whole body. Right, right. So, I'm just wondering in exchange of fluids of any kind. I don't know how leprosy works. So, no, it's it's a highly it's a highly contagious disease. That's why there were leper colonies because yeah. it was so contagious. Like you just had to shove people away and be like, "Look, for the greater good, you got to go live with all the other people with leprosy and just live out a horrible life." I remember hearing die. I remember hearing that armadillos carry a form of leprosy that can't be passed to humans, but Something I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't hear that second part until much later, and I was always worried because whenever we'd see an armadillo, my dad would stop the truck and go catch it. <laughs> Armadillos are cool. 
with his bare hands. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah. They'd be a lot yeah. cooler if you gave him cigarettes. So. <laughs> As we've established. But yeah, I'm sorry. Let's cooler. let's continue. Let's let's get right. through time to kill. Let's so so we start watching uh, Nick Cage fall into madness, which is a very classic Nick Cage trope. But it's a much more subdued Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 like Nick Cage, but he's taken a lot of Valium before going on set because there are moments where he has outbursts that are classic Nick Cage, you know, raw passion and 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 you know uh, rage. But it's very rare, and most of the time he just kind of mumbles his way through most of his line readings. Yes. Yeah. So various things happen. I think one of the one of the other interesting things about this, and this kind of ties back to what we were talking about in the opening of the episode, you know, about an hour and fifty minutes ago, uh, before we, you know, when we bro- <laughs> before we broke to uh, um, uh, watch the movie, and that's the only thing we did in the time between recording. It's the only thing that happened. Only thing that happened. There is an actor in here that uh, has been in a Bond film. Oh yeah, uh, Rene Matisse from. Uh... Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. caught that. I, 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 I caught that he was, like, very familiar. And I knew there was a name in the credits uh, that sounded familiar, so I looked it up, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, that's uh, Renee from... Uh, I think I very Dana. pretentiously just pronounced it Matisse, and I think even in the movie they say Mathis. So yeah, go on record, I want to go on record and <laughs> kick my own ass about that. <laughs> yeah. I love that you're finally admitting that you can be pretentious. You would get hey, so mad whenever we hey, first like became babe. friends if I called you pretentious. Uh, I'll admit it. Yeah, yeah. See, that's growth. You're growing as a person, Hayden. I, I appreciate it. Not a moment too soon. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, do do you know the actor's name? Do you remember the actor's name? I, I was trying to look it up. Let me see. It is Gian, Giancarlo Giannini. Giancarlo Giannini. That's right. Yes. Okay. See, I do. I recognize it whenever I was watching the credits, but I knew I would not be able to remember mm-hmm. it off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, he plays the captain who uh, kind of also turns out to be corrupt. Yes. I think. And um, <clears throat> uh, he, he kind of – there's a part where he tries to take uh, Nick Cage's character under his wing a little bit and – um, Nick Cage kind of starts freaking out and um, uh, basically steals a bunch of money and goes off and wanders into the desert again. There's a second time that he wanders into the desert because <laughs> see, part of the problem is, is that he's he he is supposed to be getting uh, furlough because he's uh, he's married and his wife is at home and basically his time in the military is, is up. So he's going to get to go back home and leave the military. But he's afraid that he's got leprosy and they're not letting people leave who have leprosy. So he refuses to get checked out. And he think he goes AWOL again and thinks that the uh, Italian military is out to get him again. And and so there's a point where he tries to like uh, tries to go live with the father of the woman he raped and killed <laughs> as some form of penance, you know, because he believes he's got uh, he's got leprosy and. Which so is just tells, an extra burden on the father. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the father reveals after like asking Nick Cage what really happened to his daughter. Nick Cage, of course, I think this is the part where we find out that he just straight up shoots her in the head, in his mind as a mercy for her suffering as from a gut shot. Um, and so the the dad is just kind of like, 
No, man, he, she didn't have leprosy. She was five. And, and it's at that point that Nick Cage is just like, oh, okay, I guess I'm okay then. And he just gets to go home. That's the that's the biggest thing I have issue with this movie. He just gets to go home, <laughs> and the and the character who's like kind of the off the the audience like um, viewpoint character who's like the person he tells most of the story to, yeah. and is kind of like his quote unquote friend, I guess. Like he gives like a little ending narrative, you know, ending uh, uh, narration where he talks about how like you know he sees him on the ship to go home finally, and and like. There's like this big, you know, uh, uh, reunion moment between these two guys where he's like, ah, so good to see you. And then Nick Cage is like, oh, hey, look, the hand's all healed up. Everything's fine. I'm not dying of leprosy that I contracted from a woman that I brutally raped and murdered. Huzzah. <laughs> and then it's just like, yeah, I never saw him after that again. And it's like, what? That's it? That's all that happens to him is uh, like for all we know, he just they lived in different parts of Italy. <laughs> And the guy went back and Nick Cage went back to his wife and never told her about what happened and, you know, lived out his days as a fucking fascist. And this guy's just like, I never saw him again. Clay, I'll be honest. One of my, one of the red flags immediately for me Uh was beyond fascism and, you know, all that good stuff. Whenever I see fatigues, my eyes glaze over when our lead characters in something or the story that we're watching is militaristic in nature, I zone out so bad. It's You're like fighting an uphill battle with me if it's going to be about the military or war. Your movie has to be exceptional for me to give a shit. Right. It's just how I've always been. I just don't care about like military shit. And... Clay, did you find this movie as boring as I did? Oh, it was very boring. Like it's it's super boring. It's just long and 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 like I'm trying to think of like the word like it's languid. It's like yeah, got it's, no. It's it's not in any hurry to do anything. No, it just kind of lumbers around. Yes, and like just kind of bounces from like just kind of lumbers from scene to scene without really any urgency there's like no stakes whatsoever and i also think it's really like i said i've been talking about the fact that like all the characters match it also feels really weird that like this is a movie about 1930s italian military people and like there is no like real discussion of fascism right you know right um and 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 that's why like i say there's a version of this movie that could be good there's a version of this movie where nick cage could be good in this movie but he's yeah. just so bored. It's like, like I said, it's like someone just gave him Valium every time before the set. And he just kind of mumbles throughout the whole thing and just kind of like very lethargic with very brief moments of that, like, you know, insanity that Cage can bring to a role. It's something like this or Vampire's Kiss, which kind of my understanding, I haven't actually seen Vampire's Kiss yet. I'm Wait, playing this table for the podcast. I thought you had when we worked nah. at Blockbuster. I never huh. got around to it. But, like, it's kind of similar, right? Where basically, in this movie, Cage convinces himself because of guilt of murdering a woman that he has less leprosy. And in Vampire's Kiss, he convinces himself he's a vampire. Correct? I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, um, okay, so real quick on the boredom thing, then I want to ask something else. Okay. On the boredom thing. Right. Uh, be honest. Okay. Clay. How much of this movie did you spend looking at your phone? 
I wish um, I would have timed no, myself. Because... Not as much as you think, because I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm trying to be a professional here. I'm trying to like okay. lock in and, and like learn everything I can. But I will admit, I was on my phone a little bit. It was mostly like I was doing research while watching the movie about the movie. So that that so I was it was productive uh, screen time on the phone. But going forward, no. going forward, we should um, we should, <laughs> we should time ourselves on how much we're on our phone during each movie. Oh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's I mean it's kind of tedious, but that would be kind of funny like hey. I'm going to beat you every time. I Oh, probably. What? I've become terrible about being on my phone during movies. No, I'm also bad about it too. Um like I'm the worst. Nice. Do you remember do you remember back whenever we were we were coworkers at Blockbuster and I would keep like looking up movies while I was watching them on my phone and then like uh-huh. would ruin the ending. <laughs> I did that with so many movies. Yeah. The movie the movie I remember doing it that was the worst was this it's not a very good movie. It's it's fine. It's uh this movie with Ray Liotta called Narc. Oh, like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And just in case anybody gives a shit about this kind of mediocre cop movie from the mid two thousands. Is that Joe Carnahan uh, who did that? I don't know. I, think I it don't was. know and I don't care. Um it turns out that like Ray Liotta is a corrupt cop who like accidentally murdered somebody or something or planted evidence or something. And like his son-in-law a cop or... who accidentally murdered somebody, Clay, what is this? A science uh, fiction film? Ha ha ha. This could never happen in real life. Uh, that was yeah. a good joke, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're killing it today with your yeah. jokes. <laughs> My lighthearted we're, we're comedy. Gonna, we're going to have to, we're going to have to scrap the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, but okay. My my other question pertaining to the movie: mm-hmm. Why do you think Nick Cage took this role? Because at this point, unless it was filmed a few years ahead of time, like I suspected, right? Um, he's not at the point where he's taking everything that's coming his way. No, that's a good point. That's an excellent question. Uh, now that you you the fact that now that you asked it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a very good point. Like, why? Why is <laughs> that's why, why i think he was on retainer until he became a name with like moonstruck and raising arizona yeah it has to be Very... because like what i, I don't know because did he just want to work with the guy who worked with fellini and the guy who worked with sergio leone yeah i don't know enough about the context surrounding this movie to speak with any authority but i'm mm-hmm. going to guess that this was a paycheck like an early paycheck for for him like it's what he was it's he was trying out a foreign like. like he was trying out a foreign thing yeah they're italians maybe uh maybe i don't know maybe fucking his uncle owed them some money because he yeah francis <laughs> francis is always running out of money man yeah yeah well that's coppola's for you mm-hmm. <laughs> Coppola is always running out of money. That's why. That's why I think Nick Cage is perfect for this podcast premise, because he's a goddamn Coppola. Oh my God, Clay! What if what? season two is us going through Francis Francis's uh, filmography? I mean, I thought about it, but uh, I've never seen all of his movies. I know me neither. <clears throat> I just don't know. Does he have? Is his is his filmography stacked enough for it? Because like, I think that's the problem with directors versus actors. Mm-hmm. Actors, there are just so many movies it's like that's why it's kind of fun yeah, but about, that's like, why it's that's why it's like so unwieldy as a podcast though because this guy's been in over a hundred movies it would be much yeah. easier to do 
of the director. Right, but like, but like the thing is, is I don't think it's it's not as entertaining. I think because like maybe oh what are there like I know, I know like uh, generously like are like unfavorite like just being ungenerous to to Franz Ford Coppola. Let's say the man has as many misses as he has hits. That's still like not that many bad movies. But Nick Cage has so many bad movies. Oh, Clay. <laughs> that we're doing this to ourselves. We're torturing ourselves well, okay, for the so, people's entertainment. So, I, you know what, though, about this episode? It's the first episode in our podcast where we've talked about Nick Cage at length, which is good. Yeah, that's um, true. This is a very much... So, I guess... I, guess I don't think he's of, necessarily bad in the movie. I just think he kind of matches the movie's flat line. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie is so flat that his performance is all, like matches. It's not like... That's the kind of the sad thing because like there are plenty of movies where movies are flat with Nick Cage in them, but mm-hmm. he's just so out there that like you know he elevates the movie a little bit, mm-hmm. and this one is just very flat, and he's also very flat. Yes. Um, so so, I guess are we kind of we're we're pretty much finished with with discussing the movie, right? Yeah, we're almost an hour into the podcast. I think uh, I don't have anything. I don't have yeah. anything to say about. The movie. Well, like, so then this is the last. This is the last question I want to ask. Then this is the last question I want to ask. Okay. Is this a good Nick Cage movie? And what I mean by that, not is it a good movie because there's plenty of bad movies that are good Nick Cage movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. The yeah. question is, is this a good Nick Cage movie? Is this a movie that you should seek out if you're a real Nick Cage fan? For all of our Cage heads out there, should you watch Time to Kill? This is completist only, I think. Right, and I, I can't imagine anybody else wanting to complete the entire filmography of Nick Cage. Like, I, I'm sure there's some people out there. There probably are, but um, and like, they are, but they are under the assumption that every performance is going to be Vampire's Kiss. That's true, and it's just not like so. No. Like, I think that's the thing is, this is not going to be Nick Cage, where oh man, he's just in a really crazy bad movie and. You know what? It's bad, but it's going to be entertaining to watch. No, there is no redeeming qualities to this movie. It's mm. boring. Nick Cage is kind of boring in it. But again, I'm not really mad at him. The movie itself is boring, too. Like, even if even if Nick Cage was dialed up to 11, it still would have been a boring movie because that's just how slow and laborious this whole movie is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, don't watch it. OK, mm-hmm. uh, no matter you know how much you got you do not have enough time to kill to watch this movie right and i was <laughs> good i love making that joke good. every time every good. time it's so good it's T- never not going to be funny i think it's time to kill this conversation uh no because of course we have to we got to go into our, our final set oh no no i just meant on the movie oh yeah yeah no we're done with the movie we this is the first and last time we are ever going to talk about a, t- a time to kill I'll never think never, about it again. I hope not. I, I hope this isn't one of those things where it's like it haunts me in my dreams. You know, like right. no matter how far away you get from high school, like you still have those dreams where you're late for a class and that you have a test that you didn't study for. I had one of those just I, last month where I couldn't find oh. my classroom on the first day of class. Yeah, that's a that's a real it's a real bummer. Anxious. Anxiety. So okay. <clears throat> so I guess Hayden, um, did you did you prepare your segment? For so podcast. okay, so I'm tr- I'm trying to remember the segment that I did for uh, the set. So what I was planning on doing 
was for the positive movies, it was you had to guess the top ten movies, highest grossing movies of that year, right? Uh-huh. Yes, that's what you made me do for um, right. uh, Spider-Verse. Right, and then I was like, well, what could I do for the bad movies? Because there's no oh, bad, I was like, there's no bad like equivalent to that. So I was thinking of just making you guess the top ten highest grossing movies again, but of 1989 this time. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I was kind of hoping for it because this is a good okay. year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You ready, Clay? Yeah. Oh, and then, oh, and then, yeah, and then we got to guess, or wasn't it that we had to say, well, no, okay, this is the part that confused me, because on Spider-Verse, we did that fun thing where we were like, which one would we rather watch? I but think the answer for all of these is, you know what, yeah. no, I think we should do it again, because, like, I'm just surprised, what if one day there's just some movies that are top earning movies of the year that we just really don't like? Well, if you know one what? of these, if one of these is one of those, you can oh, yeah. say, but I, right. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, I have no idea for like any kind of, uh, what the order of these are, but please, please tell me that like my favorite movie of all time, um, Indiana Jones, the last crusade is somewhere on this list. I won't tell you that yet. Clay. God damn you. Hayden. All right, I, so I'm probably just gonna steal this because uh, last for Spider Verse, yeah, I gave you clues, right? And you had to guess them. Yeah, you gave me some clues. Okay, so I I'm kind of just stealing this game from uh, the Blank Check podcast, but I'm fine with that. All right, <laughs> uh, so, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be us making a podcast if we didn't steal something from another about, podcast. I was about to say, but at least we're it's, not stealing our uh, entire format and everything. That's like, that's true. Know. I still stand by that. That was a generic format that oh, anybody could have done. Yeah. Number ten, Clay. Number ten. All right, Clay. number ten. It's a sequel to a quintessential eighties movie. Um. Oh God. Can I? What are some clues? I, I, yeah, what are some clues that I can give you that won't just give it away? Is it the second in the series, or is yes, it possibly the second? Okay. Did Back to the Future Part 2 come out that year? Yeah, yeah. That's is it. that it? Yeah. yeah. How did you guess it by, was it the second one? <laughs> well, because uh, my thought was uh, maybe you were making like some kind of oblique reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that would have been Last Crusade. Uh, but I did know that... Um, uh, Back to the Future Three came out in 1990. Don't know why I know that. I just do, and so and I know oh, that that's, a fast, were filmed. that's a fast turnaround. Yeah, and those and, well, that's the thing. Those movies were filmed back to back. Yeah, so like they came out like one year after the other. I knew that. Um, huh. You know, I hadn't of, seen those movies until I think two years ago. I finally saw them. Really? All. Like yeah. none of them? Yeah. Wow. That what first movie's real good. Yeah. What did you think of the second two? I thought. Half of the second one was entertaining. Like, I, I really liked the running back through the first movie. Yeah. And then I surprisingly liked the third one a little bit more than the second. I agree. I kind of think that the second one's fine, but the third one's actually pretty good. And- all the future stuff doesn't really work for me at all in the in the second one. I think that one works a lot better if you saw it as a kid because there's Definitely. like still the there's still the promise that maybe, just maybe, the universe will look like that. Yes. <laughs> and now in, in 2020, if you watched it in 2020, the 1985 version of 19, uh, uh, 2015 is a bit, uh, it's a bit sad. Right. Yeah. Clay, I don't think you're going to get this one. Okay. 
Um, number nine. Okay. For 1989. All right. Was uh, it's a family movie starring one half of an iconic comedic duo. Um, directed by a man who has made one Star Wars movie. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna get this one. Damn. Well, it, huh? I was gonna make a joke about like it's got to be a. Um, um, it's got to be a, a, a George Lucas thing, but like no, he did he did do all three. He directed all three of the uh, mm-hmm. prequels. Yeah. Uh, no, probably probably I would say the director of a Star Wars movie. The director. How should I say this? The director who had the least enthusiasm behind him, out of all the Star Wars directors. Out of all the newer Star Wars directors, I am I, uh, a family movie. Um, I don't know Harry and the Hendersons. No, it is Parenthood, directed by Ron Howard and starring Steve Martin. Wait, what do either what who is involved in Star Wars in this? Ron Howard. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forgot he. Everyone I did. Like, I was thinking about the dude. I wasn't thinking about the Star Wars movies outside the saga. I forgot. Right. I should have said a Star Wars story. Yeah. Okay. You know why? uh, uh, um, Should you? (laughs) What's the joke about his name in that movie? Oh, oh, he doesn't have a last name. So they just call him Solo. He's by himself. himself. Yeah. Good movie. Um, Okay. Number eight. um, I like that movie. I haven't seen it. But it's really dumb in parts. Actually, no. I just want to get this out of there. We we talk about a lot about Star Wars movies in, the, in this podcast. That's about Nick Cage. I would like to say that the worst part about uh, Han Solo, and this is a spoiler, if you don't want, if you haven't seen Han Solo, Solo, a Star Wars story, and you don't want to be spoiled, please skip ahead for a couple seconds. But the worst part about that movie is that, and I guess, Katie, you don't care, right? No. Okay. Uh, the worst part about that movie is that there's this really cool droid character um, who's like, Darth there's like some like their best like she's best friends with with uh, Lando, and there's kind of some some like implications that like maybe they Lando have sex. gets a, yeah yeah gets it on with the lady robot and then, which is yeah that's cool. Wow. Um, eh, no, who cares? Don't think I about care. It. Don't um, say that he has sex she's with a, a robot and then don't explain it. How do you have sex with a robot? I mean, do you want me to try to like explain how that would yes, be possible? Yes, that's why I'm asking. Oh, God. Does it right, have well, organic bits? Hey, no, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to have organic bits to have sex, Hayden. Ew, so you're just like having sex with hard, cold metal? Steel? I don't know. I haven't seen this robot, so I don't know what it looks like. I I'm mean, assuming it's, none it's of not... it is like a synthetic, right? No, because it's a Star Wars robot. So I'm imagining yeah. it looks like the most uncomfortable thing ever. Why would you have sex? How would you have sex? With it? Not why. Well, hate, well, hate it, hate it when a when a when a mommy robot and a daddy person really love each other. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please move on? No, no because so, that's what annoys oh me God. about that. Is everybody was like, oh, it's very um. Not that they were saying it's progressive or anything, because no one's advocating for people having sex with robots. But it's like. But it was like considered like a it was like a talking point for a little while, and I was like, "But how how does he have sex with it?" 
You can't just inter- you can't just like say this thing and then not like that's a thing that I want to know more about. Um, <laughs> it's not my point. Um, the point I'm trying to make is is that she's portrayed as being a um, a a um, a a droid like revolutionary, mm-hmm. and she gets killed. And has her memory dumped into the Millennium Falcon's navigation computer. Yeah, so Lando used to fuck the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, basically. Like, by the transitive property. Um, Isn't that horrifying, though, that she's trapped in the Millennium Falcon forever? Yes! It's horrible. It's horrible. And she was so cool. And like everybody calls her a piece of junk the whole like every yeah it's terrible that was a terrible idea the people who made the solo movies are bad and like they did a bad thing and it makes me sad and I I think it's kind of awesome in the way that its implications are horrifying yeah but like it's fun from like if you don't think about those kind of things like the people who made it it's it's fun fun if you don't think about it at all exactly. But, like, All right. when you think about certain parts, it's really bad. Number eight on the box office of 1989. Clay, this is a drama that when you're in high school, people talk, like, you hear adults talk about it, and they talk about how amazing it is. But it's one of those things that you probably watch once, and you go, that's respectable. That's a handsome motion picture, and then you never watch it again. It's directed by... An Australian director who's made some really neato movies, starring a comedian in a dramatic performance. Um, I feel like I've given you everything you need. Lorenzo's Oil. No. Although I do want to see that. I've never seen it. The director uh, in question is Peter Weir, who directed a Truman wait, Show. Can, can, before, you, before you do this, can you, can you give me the, the actor? Oh, well, then you'll get it immediately. How about I'll say... Um, Did I have the right actor? Because I think... Is it Robin no. Williams in Lorenzo's Oil? Or am I... Or is I it... don't think he's in Lorenzo's Oil, but he is ah, in this movie. It, okay. Oh, okay. Damn it. I'm trying to think of, of, of dramatic Robin Williams movies. Oh, Captain, my Captain, Clay. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. I actually yeah. like this movie. <laughs> yeah. But I haven't um, seen it in a long you're time. Obviously, you're obviously talking about the uh, the classic movie Hook. <laughs> oh, and Captain we're... Hook, my Captain Hook. <laughs> yeah, where all the pirates get up and say, oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah. No, it is Dead no. Poet Society. It's Dead Poet Society, yeah. Now, I think I, have a, uh, I think I have a liking for this movie because I th- doesn't Cider House Rules also take place in like, it's like a period piece in New England and it's like very autumn-y. Yeah. Yeah, Dead Poets Society is like that. All those movies in the early 90s and late 80s, there were so many of them that took place in New England around, yeah. like, autumn. And I have yeah. a very fond affection for all of them. I I have complicated feelings about this movie. Why is that? Because I was forced to watch this movie in a, in a freshman high school class and then forced to take, like, a major test over it. Uh-huh. And all the questions were very granular and specific about like very minute things that happened in the movie. Uh And like, I couldn't remember the names of any of the characters. So this was the first, this was the first like test that I failed in high school because 
because like I couldn't remember any of the names. I just because especially since like you should have just written down Walt Whitman over and over again. Yeah, because um, like besides um, Ethan Hawke and the guy who went on to play uh, uh, Hugh Laurie's sidekick in House, mm-hmm. um, like there's the two other guys who are like a part of the main crew who are like definitely second tier. And yeah. if you ask me, those two guys are just interchangeable. Like, yeah, they're fair. like a hundred percent interchangeable in the way their their characters are portrayed, the way they act, the way they look. I can't tell them to this day apart. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I so I failed this test and I hated that movie. And then I watched it like a few years later in an English class, and it was like, oh yeah, no, this is actually kind of a good movie, but I don't yeah. think I ever want to watch it again. No, I, that, that's I fair. It. And most yeah. of those, most of those like handsome dramas, it's like you watch them once and you go, "Hmm, that's a good like parent movie." And then you're yeah. like, nah, "I don't, I don't." It's, it's not one that I'm gonna be reaching for anytime soon. No, that's definitely like your English teacher in high school's favorite movie, though. Oh, absolutely. And and actually, I think my friend who is an English teacher, it's her favorite movie. I'm gonna actually. Which is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask her. I'm gonna ask her like, on Monday. I'm gonna ask her like, "Hey, Dead Poet Society, is it your favorite movie?" And I, I guarantee you, she's gonna. Everyone say should have a validation movie. I think. Yeah. All right, number seven. Yeah. Clay, this is another sequel to a monumental '80s movie. Um. Directed by the same person who made the first one. Uh, starring a handful of comedic legends, and uh, it's about uh, goo. Wait, what? It's about goo. I I don't know what other clues I could give you without just giving it away. Handful of comedic actors, and it's about goo. Yes. It's a sequel. <laughs> Is oh fuck. Oh, 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 I'm so, so dumb for not getting it. Goosebusters goo. God damn, you hated for fucking stepping on my joke. I was going to be like, I was going to be like, oh, this is obviously the sequel to uh, Killer Tomatoes from Outer Space or something. Return of the Killer Tomatoes? Yeah, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. (laughs) No, No, it's Ghostbusters 2. Goosebusters goo. Please How do we feel that. about Ghostbusters 2? I didn't. I haven't watched that since I worked at Blockbuster, so I don't know. I probably should watch it again. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember. I have um, friends who have fond mov- memories of that movie, but they saw it as kids, so I don't know yeah. if that. As a kid, I definitely watched it more than the first one because even to this day, I think Peter McNichol is really funny, and he's the he's the little Renfield to uh, Vigo or whatever the guy. Yeah, name is. Um, I don't know how it holds up as an adult. I'm not sure. Hey, speaking of rank, rank the rank the Ghostbusters movies, Clay. I mean, right now it's just one and two because I haven't seen the one with uh, uh, all with, the SNL comedians. Yeah, I kind of do want to see it. Like, I want to eventually watch it. But I'm mildly it. interested just to see what all the hubbub was about. Right. But I'm pretty sure I just won't like it because I don't like women. No, I'm joking. <laughs> because I don't like comedies. So. I think it's from what I've heard, people are like. I mean, like, even the people who were like, fuck all the, you know, men's right activists who are mad about them making us a Ghostbusters movie with women in it. I think even they had to be like, 
it was just kind of mediocre. Yeah, everybody I heard who were who like because everyone was sick of the discourse after a while, right? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and everyone who wanted to champion it, like, like there were a handful of people who really, really loved it, which is yeah, great, good for them. But for the the vast majority of people, were like it, the thing is just not a very good movie. Can I say something though that I've been needing to get off my chest for a long time? Please. Uh, in that movie, I haven't even seen it. I've just seen like the trailers. And You're a gonna of say videos, something so. about uh, Kate McKinnon being attractive as a uh, female Egon? Kate McKinnon <laughs> can fucking get it in that movie. How did I know you were going to say? <laughs> It's true though. How did I know like, you were going to say exactly that? I'm into it. Like that's like I didn't realize that like that was the thing that would check all of my boxes, but it did. Hey, she's funny. She's attractive. Yeah, I and like, know. but like, like the weird, like making her weird, like Spengler in that movie. I'm still kind of like, yeah, I'm into it. I just want, I just want to be with a woman who's like kind of weird and she's and, basically like, like a comic-con cosplay of the real ghostbusters version of egon right yeah basically yeah like that's you know like like yeah she's weird and, and like supposed to be like the smart one and all that and i'm just like yeah no that's i'm into it all right clay next movie 1989 right. this is number six on the okay. top 10 box office of 1989 directed by a woman this is a star vehicle for John Travolta. Oh shit! I was, I was, man, I was so confident. You were like directed by a woman. I wanted to be like Point Break. <laughs> Just drop the mic, Point Break. Like th- shoot for I don't three, think that, I turn think, around. I think that was nineteen eighty-seven. Like that was like or, maybe early nineties. Maybe you're probably right. John Travolta. Um. John Travolta in a pretty small cast, if you if you get what I mean. Um, is this uh, is this one of the look who talk look who's talking movies? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the first <laughs> look who's talking. Okay. <laughs> Was it the small cast that gave it away? Uh, no. I think I I think I got it off of John Travolta. I think if you stopped there, I would have. I would have. I didn't that. want to say anything else because I was like. He might not get it if I just say John Travolta. No, because I was trying to think like late '80s John Travolta. This is like pre-Pulp Fiction. Like, what is what is John Travolta doing at that time that could have made a lot of money? And it's pretty much just look who's talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Um, number five on the top ten list. Uh huh. Directed by uh, one of my favorite current working man directors. Um, call him the the finisher. Um, <laughs> makes no sense to anyone outside of me. Um, yeah. starring a now retired actor and Clay. If the last movie's cast was small, this time they're microscopic. Oh, uh, can I? So let's see if I remember correctly. Is this by chance uh, Robert Zemeckis directed? No, it is not. Oh. But you would think it would but, be. Okay. Uh, it's, it feels well, like a Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Movie. Okay. Then I'm just mistaken on who directed it. And but, written, uh, written by the men who made Reanimator. Wow. <laughs> um, because, because Hayden, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is this not a is this not a a, a movie starring um, one of like the funniest people to have ever walked away from uh, 
uh, acting uh, Rick Moranis. It is. Oh man, he Wait, had a good how did, year. How did, how did how did Ghostbusters come out before Ghostbusters two? He, he had nah, a good fuck. year. Ah, good fuck year. that joke up. <laughs> I'm gonna take that again. I'm gonna. Okay. T- I'm gonna I gotta take. I gotta take that again. Say it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even. Uh, <clears throat> so wait, how did Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two come out in the same year? God damn it! It's, it's obviously yes. this is one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. Honey, how, how, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids, right? Dude, I never knew this movie was written by Stuart Gordon and Brian Yuzna. Wow, who actually and directed it? Joe Johnson. I have no idea who that is. I love Joe Johnston. He directed um, the first Captain America movie, which is probably what most people know him at, for. He directed Jurassic Park 3 and my personal favorite, the Wolfman remake from 2010. Wait, isn't that the guy Celebrating that did, uh, its 10th year anniversary. Isn't it the guy who did... Um, and Oh, yeah, and Rocket. And Ro- uh, the, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Oh, the- shit. I didn't realize the Rocketeer was by the guy who did... Uh... Dude, this guy's Damn. filmography is crazy okay look yeah he he covers all bases because he's got a good version of every movie on here but the thing is i love about him is he doesn't have a ton of flair he's not very flashy but he gets shit done and they're always professionally made so he's got the rocketeer which is like actually fun that's great which is a really fun throwback action movie Ooh. okay hold up before you go on to the rest of it can i just have i want to interject something real quick yes you know what would be an absolutely like peak uh, fun, uh, like double feature. What's that? The Rocketeer, followed by the Brendan Fraser uh, Mummy. Oh, that would be amazing! It's so perfect, Dude. right? Because it's like it's like great, like throwback to like you know. Uh, I genuinely like, like serial yes. action movies. Not like not Indiana Jones, like the best yeah. non-Indiana Jones Indiana Jones. Yeah, movies. and like Indiana Jones, like even though they're based on like the nineteen forty serials. They don't feel like it. No, like yeah, they're, they're 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 much they're too elevated for that. Right now, like, I, but well, like those two movies, they kind of have the same kind of charm and like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like they're a little cheesy. Oh, they're th- yeah, know? they're cheesy. Um, in like the Mummy is insanely very ins- quotable, very, very sincere too. Yes, like they're yeah. not winking. Yeah. At, like it, I dude, I think. I've come to the fact that I think the I think and see Stephen Summers did the Mummy and Stephen Summers is another director like akin to Joe Johnston who he's he's made some duds but um, I think he is such a fun like work like workman director uh, and I think I think the Mummy is genuinely almost like a perfect movie in terms of like yeah. what it sets out to be and what it like achieves yeah that's such a good movie. But yeah. real quick, okay, so his filmography, The Rocketeer, and I feel like Captain America, The First Avenger, is right up there. They That feels a lot like The Rocketeer. It does, but, like, it's paced very badly. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not a great movie. No. I think it's I think it's probably my favorite out of that first phase of Marvel movies, though. It's, it's my second favorite, because I, I think, like, Iron Man is like a good movie like it's a good superhero movie and i mean it's like good i just find iron man very boring yeah it's fine i i think it's very good it's it's like it's it's all the pieces work like it's right. it's but like with with captain america first avenger that movie doesn't always work mm-hmm. 
but it is really fun at parts. Yeah. I mean, uh, got Tommy Lee Jones literally phoning it in right before our oh, eyes. God, yeah. Like again, he's you a new like, braid soup so he's, he's he's another he's another actor that could just phone it in, and I will watch it. Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. bet. What's your favorite Tommy Lee Jones performance? Oh God. Um, Two Face, Batman sure. Forever. He has I never had more fun. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like oh no no, fucking fucking Agent K and and Men in Black. He's great in that. I almost didn't die. I just went home, and then and then of course, probably my real answer is uh, Woodrow from Lonesome Dove. God, he's <laughs> Dude, he's so good. He's so good. Hated. Um, Speaking yeah. of that movie. Yeah. And this is one of those things that's only going to matter to either one of us. I still remember how mad you got at me because uh-huh. I bought the last copy of the Blu-ray at Blockbuster. <laughs> it kept you from getting it. And would you like know. to know something hated? That's You've been never over 10 years ago. I've never watched that movie, and I don't even think I've taken it out of the plastic. That's a shame. And uh, you should while you're you should while we're all uh, while you're still not working. You got time. Yeah, I, I go back Monday. <laughs> hey, you got all day tomorrow. No. Okay. Okay. So I would like to point out that I, yes, I am a monster. You are a monster. Yeah. So those, those are his superhero. <laughs> we'll call them just his superhero movies. Right. Uh, then he's got a really good, uh, like PG drama, uh, October sky with Laura Dern and Jake. Gyllenhaal oh my God. He was, I, I, that's another one of those movies I saw as a kid in high school. It was like, yeah, I kind of like this movie. I, I love that movie. I've, I've seen it like two or three times in high school alone and never seen it again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is great. Uh, isn't it Laura Dern that's like the yeah. teacher? Yeah. yeah. Laura Dern, Chris Cooper. Yeah, Chris Cooper great. is great. Dude. Got a good that, cast. God, now I just want to watch all of his movies. Laura Dern is the best. Oh, she is. Love and her. I don't, and hey, angry Star Wars fans. Holdo's still one of the best characters in Last Jedi. You can yeah. suck it. No, she's one of the best characters in the whole new trilogy. Yeah, fair. Yeah. All right. Um, his his family movies, The Page Master and Jumanji, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, you know what? I I think I've only seen Page Master. I don't think I've seen Jumanji still. Really? That's a yeah. good movie. Not Fun. even the sequels. Yeah. Robin Williams, uh, Jonathan Hyde, uh, good movie. Um, okay, uh, probably. It scared, it's it scared me too much as a kid because I saw like the opening scene where like Robin Williams as a kid character gets sucked into the game, and I was just like, nope, <laughs> I want none of that. <laughs> now, okay, so he he made, I th- I think the two, and then he made his horror movie, uh, The Wolfman, which I think is fucking <laughs> awesome. Um, the director's version of that is much better than the theatrical version. Oh, absolutely. It's the only one you should watch. But yeah. uh, it's the only version you should watch. I will warn you, there is an inexplicable CGI bear that will take you out of the movie for a second. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not good. It's not good CGI. No. Hey, Hayden. Hayden, mm-hmm. I think we spent 20 minutes talking about this guy. I know. And you'll probably, you'll probably cut it all out. But I just want to finish his filmography real quick. I think his two forgettable movies that people... That people don't really like, but I like them. Jurassic Park 3 and Hidalgo. Good. Oh, man, I like Hidalgo. I do, too, but I feel like people will, like, never even, talk, like, mention it anymore. 
Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. And I like Jurassic Park 3 because Laurie Dern and Sam Neill, their chemistry, even in one scene. <laughs> Over the phone, even. Yes, yes. Laura Dern literally phones it in. Yes, and she's great. <laughs> That's true. And then the last movie he made was, and I think this was one that, like, it, this was another one because he's done this quite a few times where he kind of steps in to finish a movie after a director walks. Mm-hmm. Um, Lassie Hellstrom started directing Nutcracker in the Four Realms, and then Joe Johnson came in after he quit. And I've heard that movie's not very good, but I'd watch it for Joe. <laughs> watch it for Joe. That's your ride or die for this guy. Oh my god, he was an actor in the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Anyways, okay. All right, let's go we back. We have to, to move on. <laughs> that all <laughs> yeah. just got cut. All yeah, of no one cares about any of that except for me and maybe you. Uh, I was I kind of checked out after we talked about the Rocketeer. Damn it, Clay. <laughs> All right, this next movie, number four, on the biggest uh, on the box office top ten of nineteen eighty nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stars two titans of the film industry, of the yeah. Actually, one of them was bigger in the seventies. Still, still a big actor though. The other one. On the rise, and today is a, like probably the last movie star, I would say. Well, one of the last movie stars. Um, directed by a guy who's made a lot of shit, but I mean, I he doesn't really have a thing, you know. But it's a drama. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, is the, the, the guy who was the up-and-coming actor who's now like the last movie star... Does he risk his life uh, for our entertainment in various action movies franchises? Yes. Is it, is it the color of money? No. Oh shit. Rain Man. Damn. Huh? Rain Man. Oh, Rain Man. Because because if it was the color of money, then I could have been like, well, it's directed by one of the dress, best directors of all time. Who directed the color of money? Scorsese. Oh really? Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Okay. Uh, in in which case I would have said it's Scorsese's most forgettable movie. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna cut out my uh, my my wrong answer, and I'm gonna go. Uh, Hayden, is it uh, Rain Man? Clay, if you would have said that the first time, I would have given you <laughs> points for it. No, it is in fact Rain Man. Ding. Hey, you realize you're like little snide. Hey, if you said that first, uh, you know I would have given you points for it. I'm gonna be able to cut that out, and because you, you gave me a clean drop, my friend. I know. Suck it. <laughs> All right. Number. Hold on. Dude, this this top 10 is littered with the second sequels in the series. Yeah. Number three, Clay. There's another second sequel from an iconic action franchise from the 80s. And it's a it's a uh, buddy movie, if you will. Now, by second sequel, do you just mean it's the third in a trilogy? Kind Sorry, of Sorry, it's the second movie in a, in this franchise. Oh, it's the second movie. Okay, so it is an actual sequel. Yes. Okay, it's a buddy movie, if you will. Um, was the original a buddy movie? Yes. Same duo. Same duo trying to think of movies that had duos 
in the 80s, 89. Like, it's an action. Oh! Oh! Fuck. Lethal Weapons 2? Yes. Yeah! I've never seen any of the Lethal Weapons movies. Uh, your enjoyment depends on how much you're willing to not think about Mel Gibson hating the Jews. Clay, I think you know this about me. I, 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 Mel Gibson is a problematic fave. I still love watching him in movies. Okay. You know what? I'm 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 not happy about that, but no, I, no, I, my confession is that I still like Mel Gibson. No, I, I shouldn't say I like Mel Gibson. I love watching him in movies. I love some of his movies still to this day. And he I has always... such a presence. Yeah. He, okay, um, let me just say he is... I find him such such a... Uh, how should I say this? I find... I like watching him so much that... Clay, I'll admit to you, I like a movie that's not good. What's that? I really enjoy The Patriot. Oh man, the Patriot is bad. <laughs> not politically, not politically, but no, as a no. fantasy movie, as a fantasy yeah. movie, the Patriot is a yeah. good time. It's a oh, good time. Oh boy, the f- you know, oh man, you know what? Like, we should watch the Patriot for this. Is is season two of this podcast? We just do Mel Gibson movies. <laughs> I I don't think we can, but we could <laughs> do Heath Ledger. We could do well. No, oh, Heath Ledger's dead. Oh yeah, he's sad because he died. He's sad. Um, he's sad I was gonna say. I was gonna say. You know, people are people are like mad at Hamilton right now because of how it whitewashes uh, American like history in the in the Revolutionary War and the founding yeah. fathers and all that. Hamilton's got nothing on fucking uh, oh <laughs> the Patriot. You're goddamn right. Hamilton's got nothing on the Patriot. <laughs> Show no, me the scene <laughs> where Lin Manuel Miranda. Chucks an axe and uh, tomahawks a uh, British soldier right through the middle of the forehead. Show me that scene in Hamilton, Clay. I can't. <laughs> also, Hamilton doesn't. Hamilton doesn't have a scene where a guy gets his head literally blown off by a cannonball. Yes. Oh God, that movie's. So, oh. I throw on the Patriot after this. It's so good. Oh, um, God. Look, <laughs> that's something I gotta cut. Tom Wilkinson as Cornwallis. <laughs> Fetch me the horse blanket. Jason Isaacs, you're on that farm with that stupid little boy. Did he die? Hmm? That's a good movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I won't say like I the, won't say that's a good movie, but I God, I enjoy that movie. Oh. Is that the guy that's like the dragoon dude that like killed like um, Mel Gibson's like whole family? Yes. Yeah, that guy's good as a villain. Oh, he's great. Jason yeah. Isaacs is so good. Um, yeah. All right, number two, Clay. All right. Your favorite movie of all time. Are you are you just fucking with me or are you being for real? Is this is We named this, the dog Indiana. Yeah. I mean it the the as problematic as the Indiana Jones franchise is, they're so near and dear to my heart because yeah. like they the problematic they are, faves. They're the biggest from problematic faves, but I literally adopted a dog during quarantine and named him after the dog in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Apparently the second highest grossest movie in uh uh, 1989. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess how much it made? Uh, probably what, like 150 million? Because that 197 was million, almost 200. Oh, okay, uh, you know what? My 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 gut was go 200, but I was like, nah, that's too high. Go yeah. 150. Um, yeah. If it was Price Is Right rules, I would have lost at the 200. But I mean, like, 
for just just between friends between friends 200 would have been a good guess now can i be honest with you clay uh-huh i i need to i want to rewatch them mm-hmm. i don't love the indiana jones movies like i i have fond memories of watching them but they really haven't stuck with me like a lot of movies did from my childhood um that being said i do love temple of doom which i think is the most problematic one i don't understand anything you just said because that doesn't make sense to me uh temple of doom was the first one i ever watched um it has the most crazy moments because of like the tonal like whiplash Whiplash, it's bad so no see i i I don't find that a bad thing. I find that very entertaining, especially in terms of like what movie that is, you know, the kind of movie that it is like, true. even though most of it is like goofy and offensive. Um, I think what you mean is hella racist. Well, yeah. And, and also racist, <laughs> very racist, <laughs> but I, I don't mind short round and I don't mind Willie. Uh, I actually kind of like them. And, I think the horrific elements are so awesome. And uh, I don't know. I really liked... I've, I've always loved Temple of Doom. That's I mean, I do love Molaram, like, as problematic as that is. Like, Molaram is kind of a cool villain. Molaram's awesome. I got I got really mad whenever I saw someone online talk about, like, Molaram and be like, who, who even is the fuck is this guy? He's so forgettable. I'm like, who even God is damn it, you put, you put some respect <laughs> on Molaram's name, all right? He literally rips a dude's heart out. He's the inspiration for Kano's fatality in Mortal Kombat 1. Kalima Yakti Day. You put some goddamn respect on his name. Oh, Young Shivine. Oh, Young Shivine. Oh, Young Shivine. That's a good movie. So why do you like uh, Last Crusade so much? Oh, for the same reason you said, because the first one I saw and I watched it obsessively as a kid, because I didn't have the other two until, like, Mm -hmm. middle school, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I'm just kind of like... How do you mean? What do you mean that these movies don't really resonate with you now? No, no, no. it's not that they They're don't resonate. Well, no, I, and and they are, but for some reason they never stuck with me. Like oh. in my teenage years, I never like rewatched them and stuff like that. Oh, man, I um, watch them all the time. Like I'm pretty sure I'm a history teacher because, uh, well, former history teacher, soon to be former history teacher, because of those movies. It belongs in a textbook. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> All right, Clay, number one. Uh, number one with the bullet. Man, you just, you really like glossed over my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, but you get to spend like 20 minutes talking about a director. All right, I'm sorry. Okay, Last Crusade. <laughs> well, okay, all you Listen, said was that it was your first one. Yeah, but like, how dude, do you feel about, dude. how do you feel about like George Lucas's original idea for it was just, I would have loved this. It's George Lucas's original house. idea was just Indiana Jones in a haunted mansion. Uh, I think that's a terrible idea. How amazing because, would that be? Because like that's not how Indiana Jones works. Like you, you'd be sticking Indiana Jones in one location for an entire movie, and that would be boring as <laughs> shit. Ba-ba-da-ba! It's just like the blueprints of the house and showing him going yeah. to the, like the library. Hayden, that movie's got. James Bond is Indiana Jones's dad, even though he's only 11 years older than him. We named the dog Indiana. Oh, God. I Junior. Probably, uh, let's see. Probably from like the moment they walk out of the temple at the end, uh, I could probably quote that whole thing from memory. 
And it does have one sexy Nazi in it, doesn't it, Clay? That's the uh, that's the sound of me not disagreeing with Aiden. <laughs> Listen. I thought you just hung up on me. <laughs> uh, she is... Uh, she, the actress who played Elsa Snyder is very attractive in that. No, movie. no, I'm saying Elsa Snyder. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm, I, <laughs> I, from a moral standpoint, I can't have a attraction to Elsa Snyder, but the actress who played her is very, very beautiful and like, and has like a very, like old school Hollywood kind of vibe going on. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, which is mm. he chose. Holy. Also, how the hell did a French knight that uh, from like the sec from the first crusades spend several hundred years in a, uh, in a in a in a temple in the Middle East and no perfect British English? Clay, the rules of ghosts do not abide by man's limitations. He's not a ghost. I thought he was a ghost. No. He's just been drinking from the the Holy Grail for centuries. <laughs> He's just really old. Like he falls over and why Indiana did, Jones picks him up. Why, why did, did you think he think was, he was, a was a ghost? <laughs> why indeed? Also, that guy's fucked because Elsa dropped the fucking Holy Grail down a deep chasm to never be recovered. That guy's just like, well, I spent my entire life guarding something that. <laughs> just now no longer needs to be guarded and i can't drink from it anymore so i guess i'm dead now so how do you Man. feel about the possibility of the the next oh. indiana jones which they've been working uh, on um there there's another indiana jones that's coming out you didn't the... you didn't know that yeah that's one of, i mean like that was the I mean, second only, biggest there's property there's only three of them there's only three of them there only Clay. is and will ever be three no. Look, I, I, I gotta it. be honest. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Kingdom I can't, of the Crystal Skull is not that bad. It really is. It's not isn't. good. It's not good. It's fine. I actually no, kind of not. enjoy it. It's no, not it's fine. fine. It's not. I, okay, you know what, Clay? We're gonna do the movies of Kate Blanchett next season, and we're watching <laughs> Crystal Skull. Talk about a sexy, uh, a sexy villainess. Oh, I'm all. I'm. A, I have no problems with uh, being attracted to a sexy communist. Oh yeah, I, I had forgotten they weren't Nazis in that movie. Yeah, because it was well. Late. Yeah, yeah. Well, she probably is a Stalinist, and I'm not a tanky, so. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I guess that's. The but she's like. very attractive in that movie, isn't she? God, yeah. we're just pigs, aren't we, Clay? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, no. We are men. Okay, but how? Do, I mean, how do you feel about yeah. the Disney? Like Disney's probably going to make another Indiana Jones. Man, uh, if you asked me this question before Rise of Skywalker came out, I probably would have been way more jazzed about it. I'd <laughs> been like, yeah, maybe this time they might actually make a good one. Um, you know, like a good continuation of the series. Um, now that <laughs> Rise of Skywalker came out and just completely destroyed any goodwill that the Star Wars franchise had with me. At least the main saga movies. Um, I feel like people... I feel like as a society and as a culture, we did not spend enough time talking about how big of a disaster Rise of Skywalker is. 
Like it came I, out and everyone just stopped talking about Star Wars after like a it's, week. You know what? I think it's because the ending of Game of Thrones happened earlier that year and we're all just like, no, we just can't. We can't but here's the thing is like Game of Thrones has been bad for or had been bad for like three seasons leading up to that and just no yeah. one recognized it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like Force Awakens, but I am in the minority on that. Yeah. I liked Last Jedi, and I am in the minority on that. I don't think so. That movie and, made a billion dollars. There's a lot of people who like that. Yeah, movie. but a lot of people who saw it, I mean, if, if you're to believe the people that I worked with, the people that I served at Draft House, um, the internet in general, if they speak for anybody... A lot of people who saw that movie didn't like it, um, and, and have I grown still, to dislike it. Or I, I, I still believe, I still stand by that. Like a lot of people who hate, uh, talk about how they hated that movie, are a very vocal minority. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Well, then to to my point, to my to my point. As a society, we should never let it be forgotten how bad Rise of Skywalker is. Oh, because, I will never forget. Because the people who shit on the very vocal minority, as you call them, who hate Last Jedi, deserve to choke on Rise of Skywalker. Oh, 100%. They deserve it 100%. Yeah, because, like... If, if I wasn't cringing in my seat and wanting to leave the entire experience, the entire, t- like, time during Rise of Skywalker, I would have been laughing my ass off. Yeah. Be- just because of the instant karma that was. It, yeah, no. Yeah, it ruins it, like the the people who made Rise of Skywalker listen to the wrong set of fans, and like everybody who complains about oh Last Jedi completely reversed things that were 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 set up in in Force Awakens. No, it didn't. It just took them in in unexpected places, which right. is fucking interesting. Yeah, but then like Rise of Skywalker did all of the things that people hated Last Jedi for. Like all the all the things that that people said they hated about Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker legitimately did that, and, and did it worse. And uh, I'll uh, so I still I still follow um, Red Letter Media. They're like one of the few movie YouTuber people that I watch occasionally. And I remember them uh, mentioning that in because I I don't read interviews with filmmakers anymore or anything. Yeah, but I remember them mentioning in an interview, J.J. Abrams was like. I decided to say fuck it and do what I wanted to do. And in the early oh, so days... so you mean, you, mean, you mean to tell right. me that he wanted to make a bad movie? Well, no. In, in the early days, everybody... Not everybody, but I remember in that Red Letter Media video, they were like, they're going to pull an endgame because the only thing you can do with Star Wars, it would be stupid. But the only thing that a fan like him would want to do is literally travel in time and revisit the old movies because at that, like that's all he wanted. And I was like, that would be so bad for star Wars, but I'm down for it. But what he meant instead, what, because I like time travel. Like I like the back to the future Two where they revisit the first movie. I like the spoiler spoiler from twin Peaks season three. I like when movies and TV shows recontextualize stuff that you saw and knew from an older property and like like i said recontextualize them um but what he instead like his idea of fuck it was ah eh, uh, ryan johnson threw everything i was interested in away so i'm just gonna bring it back 
I'm like, that's the least yeah. interesting way to go about this. Oh yeah, no, it's it's bad. I don't like J.J. Abrams as a filmmaker that much. I don't either, uh, and I yeah. I kind of felt bad about that uh, a few years ago saying that because I don't know why, but I I felt guilt for saying that for some reason. Um, I think I legitimately like three of his movies. I, but see, my liking of them is very surface level. Like, very. True. I like Super Eight. Yeah, that's one of them. I. That's probably my favorite. Like, I see. I think my favorite might be Mission Impossible Three. It's not. I don't love it, but oh, I, I do like Mission it. Impossible's. Huh? Yeah. I forgot he did the one of the Mission Impossible's. Yeah, and and it's pretty good. Like it's yeah. a it's a pretty good little thriller. That's the one that's got um Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, R.I.P. But it was it it suffers from it's the last movie in the franchise that it's like right before Tom Cruise started like doing crazy stunts. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still trying to be like a movie, whereas yeah. I think those movies work best as just set pieces for like yeah, action. Uh, Cloverfield um, was also pretty good. He didn't direct it though, so oh, I'm not counting. No, I'm not counting. Oh. That was the guy Did who made Dawn it? of the Planet of the Apes. Did he just write it then? Because I his, think that's... I think he just produced it. Oh. Because remember, he he has that he has that brand the the yeah. bad robot brand where he's just like yeah. Psh. So um, all right, I take it back. I like two J.J. Abrams movies, and it's Force Awakens and it's Super Eight. And I said Super Eight's one of my favorites. But that's not even true because I will still rather watch Force Awakens again. I think I, I mean, I I enjoyed Star Trek 09 when I watched it in theaters. It's not I, really a Star I, Trek I, movie, but yeah. Um, um, hey, do you know the sequel of that movie is is written by a 9/11 truther? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would only know that if I saw the movie. <laughs> it's also true. It's very true. Where Peter <laughs> Weller did 9/11. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So all right. Let's, number let's one. On. Number one. No, yeah. Number one. Jesus, you're gonna cut all that out too. Um. All right. Number no, one. No, that was indirectly about um, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, so it's staying True. in. True. All right. Number uh, one. Clay. One of the biggest blockbusters of all time, and at the time, the biggest blockbuster of all time. This is easy. That's all I need. Wait. To you, really. Wait. I should have given you more obscure uh, clues. Wait. Um. Directed by I, a very eccentric man who once worked for Disney. Oh. Uh, and now works for Disney again. Oh, okay. This is what I thought it was going to be. But, like, uh, when you said, like, biggest blockbuster of all time, I was, like, thinking that, like, this was something different. And I was going to different. <laughs> the re-release of Jaws. No. <laughs> it's Batman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Clay, how do you feel about Batman? 89. Batman 89. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, man, do I have some thoughts about batman as a character um batman 89 it's good i don't like, like it at all as a kid i liked the joker you know jack nicholson is the joker and i'm about and to shut cartoon. down this podcast at this point dude clay i rewatched all the batman movies just a year ago batman 89 is the most boringest movie ever made it is. I, that's not possible. We just watched Time to Kill. Okay. No, no, no. But that's why I say boringest because it's like the childish way of saying it. Or, because it's not the most boring movie ever made. But I am so surprised at how. Because, like, I was ready to be like, 
man, because I've I've rewatched Batman Returns since I was a kid. That was the first yeah. one I remember. That was probably the first VHS I ever remember watching, uh-huh. and it made such a huge impression on me. And I loved Batman Returns, and I remembered images and moments from Batman '89, but I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And dude, it is like. The most interesting thing about it is it's the first movie of its kind, and you definitely feel them learning on like on their feet. That's also true, and it's a comic book movie by a person who has contempt for comic books. Yes, and I lo- uh, look. Uh, it's you you no, love that it's, aspect. That's, it's that's no the part se- you love. <laughs> well, I do love that, and it's no secret that I love unabashedly Tim Burton. I love Tim Burton. Yeah, I'm even. I, I will even defend him to this day. Even though he's made, in my opinion, I think he's made three atrocious movies. But I think I think all the other ones are pretty good. Yeah. Too great. But um But man, I was so surprised when I rewatched Batman A nine and I just didn't like it at all. Hmm. Yeah. Rank rank the Batmans real quick. Uh, the first four that were ever made, or like all Batman movies ever made? Should we say all live-action Batman movies? Oof. I'm willing to go there. Okay. Um, we got to run through this quick because we're we're running we're running way long. I know, I know. Okay, so I'm gonna do this quick. This is like hip fire, like off the cuff um, feelings, um, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, now, yeah, okay, we're we're going I, with personal favorites, not what we think is objectively the best. Yes, of course. That's I mean that's how we that's how we operate. I know, but I feel like I always have to like couch that. Yeah, no, that's how, that's how we operate. This is just our personal favorites. Um, Batman Returns. Uh, I think Batman Begins is my number three. Then I would go Batman nineteen eighty nine. Uh, probably Batman Forever, and then. The Dark Knight Rises, then Batman and Robin. You're forgetting. Uh, you're forgetting two, I think. It, I don't. They're not standalone Batman movies. You, they have you other. Got it, they you have, gotta count. No. You gotta count them. I okay, fine. I've never actually seen them, so I don't. I can't count them. Oh, you haven't seen them? I refuse to. I don't want to. I actually kind of like one of them. Yeah, I know you do, because you're a goddamn contrarian, Hayden. Just no, I I genuinely like Zack Snyder. I think. I, I or I, I should that. say I like his aesthetics. I well, don't. I shouldn't say that. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I like certain aspects about Zack Snyder's filmmaking ability. Um, yeah. Okay. My ranking of the Batman live action movies: Batman Returns, The Dark Knight Rises. Personal ranking, Clay. I love how you can't see me, and oh my god, I rolled my eyes so hard. And how do you not it, like? The, how do just... you not like the Dark Knight Rises? The Dark Knight Rises is literally a peek into the future. It was made around the Occupy Wall Street movement. Fuck, you're right. And it is, dude. You know it is. You know what? It is literally like this. Man, rewatch the Dark Knight Rises. Um, it is okay, so. You know good. what? Hayden, you've convinced me. I'm gonna rewatch the the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and mm. like you're probably right. But the problem is, is I won't be rooting for Batman. I'll be rooting for Bane. Oh no, definitely, dude. If it weren't for yeah. the last twist in that movie where he's just a pawn to blow up Gotham, 
it would yeah. be a perfect movie. It'd be perfect. It po- uh, politically, it would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. There, the scene well, where Bane no. and his no, 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 Clay. The scene, I'm telling you, the scene where Bane we talked about. We've talked about this already, Hayden. We oh, we have. We, we have. have okay. Our first episode okay. where we went over a list. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. All right. So okay, Batman Returns. So, sorry. What? The Dark Knight Rises is number two. Dark Knight Rises is number two. The Dark Knight is number three. Okay. It's a good movie, Clay. It's a good movie. Um, <laughs> number four, <laughs> Batman Forever. Personal ranking, Clay. <laughs> I love how you keep having to say that. <laughs> number five, Justice Batman Begins. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Number five, Batman Begins, which I uh-huh. think is a good movie, but yeah. like all origin stories, it's like the one I always least want to rewatch, you know? That's fair. Uh, where are we on? Number six, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I, I can't, I can't, I can't Number do s- it. Hold on, Clay. Number seven. Okay, for listeners at home, bat, uh, number seven is Batman 89. Number eight, Batman and Robin, which I really want to love, but I just can't. It's very boring, weirdly. And then uh, the last one I have is uh, Justice League, because that movie's... I, that's not even really a movie. Clay, do your little game. I guess he's gone. Oh, boy. You know what? You can do this goddamn podcast by yourself. <laughs> What'd you get? God, I needed a drink. <laughs> Just from the Batman ranking? Yes. <laughs> okay, do your little game because we mean, are running long. I mean, I will. I would like to admit for the. I gotta admit for the fuck's sake, that was mostly a bit. I just want to do the like angrily storms off the podcast yeah. and you can hear them just barely yelling out the back, yeah. like out the background <laughs> that's just fun for me yeah. uh and also gave me a good excuse to go get me uh, uh seltzer water because i'm really thirsty mm-hmm. now where do you think the uh snyder cut of uh, justice league will end up on your list uh, <laughs> uh, not on the list I don't think that the... Do you have a problem? Do you have a philosophical problem with them uh, releasing a, an alternate cut of a movie that's already bad? Um, I, I think what it is is it's a bad movie. And it's a very like, bad an movie. Alternate, an alternate cut of it is just going to be another bad movie. I agree, but I would rather see the bad movie that hasn't been released. Because I saw I saw the bad movie that was released, and no, it but is. Like, if it was if it was like the people clamoring for the the Snyder cut were like the people who are like who weren't acting like this is going to be the version that fixes everything in like right right it's, but no it's still going to be a dumpster fire it's just going to be a different dumpster fire right but why don't you want it to come out then because then uh, you can crush them because you're like because you're like see it's out and no, it's bad because no. see no because like. I don't think they'll admit that it's bad. And also like, I don't want them to, I don't, you want, don't want them don't, to win. I don't want studios to listen to them because I don't want, I don't, I don't like it's, it. I think like the mass, you remember like whenever like the mass effect three came out and like the controversy around its ending, like blew up on the internet. Barely. And, and then like Bioware was like, okay, fine. We're going to release a, 
an extended like free DLC that like fixes the ending. I think that set a bad precedent where like the internet is like, oh, if we just yell loud enough at, at creators, we can get what we want. And I don't know if that's a good precedent. It's still know. too early. I... It's still too early to tell. I don't know if I'm not 100 percent sure on this, mm-hmm. but I don't. It doesn't. It, I don't feel good about it. I like Zack Snyder enough to want to see whatever else you know he puts out, even if it's just going to be another version of a already bad movie. But mm-hmm. that's just me. Um, and if it's any excuse to have another great opening credit sequence, I'm fine with that. Because I do think, above all else, I think the man is a great craftsman when it comes to opening credits. Which is a lost art in movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're Sorry. quietly judging me. Uh, no, I'm just trying to, like, I'm trying to pull up my, um, I'm trying to pull up my list of movies. This is going to get, this is going to get, um, cut, um. Okay, Hayden, it's time for uh, our final, well, our second last segment, okay, the penultimate segment, uh, Cage-Free Movies. And this one, just because I don't think it's going to help you any, and, like, this is going to be really funny, um, I'm going to give you the synopsis and the name of the movie and see if you can figure out which one is the Cage-Free Movie. All right, sounds good. So we need the oh, who wants to be a millionaire music to play over this. Ball, ball, <laughs> ball, ball, ball. All right. A loyal family man who has had trouble with the law is released from prison on the condition that he helped the government spy on little junior, a major crime Lord. And this movie is known as kiss of death. Okay. Next one. Two thieves are on the run from a casino heist gone wrong. When a car accident leaves their wheel man and a state trooper dead, they split up and make a run for the Canadian border. This movie is called Deadfall. And finally, a master thief who, after being double-crossed in a high school on a rye, is sent to prison for eight years. Upon his release, he's ready to leave his criminal past behind and try to rebuild a relationship with his estranged daughter. But the cops and his old partner believe he hid the loot from his heist eight years ago. And this is Stolen. Which one of these is the cage-free movie? Well, Clay, I have to tell you, the titles did help me on this one because I've talked about Deadfall in the past on this podcast. So I know that is a Cage movie, unless it's a different Deadfall. Uh, And I believe there is a newer Cage movie called Stolen. So I'm going to go with Kiss of Death. Final answer. Hayden, is that your final answer? Uh, Yeah... I'm so glad that my my computer does not have a uh, working uh, camera because you are incorrect, Hayden. The correct answer was Deadfall from 2012. That is not the movie you're thinking of. You motherfucker! <laughs> you goddamn motherfucker! I told you I was getting cute with so it. So you did you did the titles on purpose? <laughs> yes, yes I did. Yes, yes. <laughs> of course I did. You son of a bitch. <laughs> of course I wouldn't do anything to help you out. You know, there should be a punishment to me losing these. I should have to watch the non-cage movie also. 
Oh man, that would be kind of funny. Cause yeah, the the one from the first week sounded pretty pretty rough. They all sound rough. Yeah. Well, guess what? Two out of those three we are going to get to watch because all uh, the Kiss of Death and Stolen are both Nick Cage movies. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Watch. So I have to guess the next week's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now this one, I'm going to give you some clues because. Okay. It's uh, it's 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 you know, this is now like one of the good movies supposedly. Oh. Okay. Yeah, we we got through a bad one, so now we got to watch a a uh, a good one. We got. Can I make a we, guess, Clay? What's that? I'm going to guess that Nicolas Cage is going to be inconsequential in the good movie. Uh, no, I think you're wrong on that. I think he's. Oh, think okay. This so is, this is a Nicolas Cage movie then. I think so. Yes. Okay. Okay, so um, this movie... Oh, shoot. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't have as much information as I thought it did. Let me go to Wikipedia real quick. Okay. The Croods. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I'm going to tell you is what year this came out. This came out in 1993, and it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 95%. He doesn't have any higher than 95? Well, he had um, I mean, 97 with... with uh, well, the first you, movie you know what I'm. You know what I'm. Yeah, doing. yeah. He his 95, 97 is his cap. That's his. That's his. That's his height. His his, okay. his ceiling. Is that all the you clues got, I get? I mean, that's the first. You, you got anything for it? Ninety three. Okay. Uh, give me. Give me one more clue. Okay. Directed by John Dahl. Um, it's an action movie. Not really. Are you being cute right now, Clay? No. Okay, so it's not an action movie. It's not an action movie. It's from what I can tell, it is not an action movie. Uh, just to help you out, John Dahl is the guy who apparently directed Rounders. So you know, this guy's got some. He's got some. He's got some credibility. This is not helping. Okay. Uh, wait. I feel like I just saw this. Um. Oh, is it a sad movie, Clay? I I don't think it's. I don't think it's like meant to be a sad movie. Okay. Like, so I don't, I don't leaving, know. If it's, sad. it's not leaving. Okay. I'm I'm showing I'm showing how little i know about film now like i i used yeah. to have a pretty good encyclopedic knowledge about this garbage oh but uh hayden hayden i don't think you're ever gonna get it so it's it's a more obscure nicholas cage movie it's, a, it's an obscure uh nick cage movie okay so he, is he not the lead uh no it it seems like he's the lead what the f- <laughs> okay how okay so it's 95 based on how many 93 critics? oh uh 37 okay so it's not a popular movie, but no. the people who see it tend to like it. Uh, would you like to know who else is in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so kind of some people that you've you've definitely have heard of. Hmm. First big name that's in this, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper, Nicolas Cage. And then uh, John kind of more of a, a, a minor actor, uh, but one that I feel like I, I've heard of. Uh, J.T. Walsh. Okay. I know of J.T. Walsh. Yeah. So, this is... And this is finally, the the, the fe- from what I can tell, the female lead... Oh, you definitely would know, should know this person. Um, Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah. So, this is the second highest grossing... Mm-mm. or not, No, not, not grossing, not grossing. This is the second the highest, highest rated, rated... Nick Cage movie Nick on Cage Rotten movie. Tomatoes. Okay. Um, and it's it is inexplicable, isn't it? Rhymes with, sounds like. <laughs> um, 
Um, okay, final oh God, answer. I wish I had. A, I wish I had. A, I wish I had a, a, a working camera because I would just start doing charades now. Yeah. Okay. Final answer. Nineteen ninety-three. Yeah. It's got to be Jurassic Park. Ah, <laughs> uh, Hayden, you were so close. No, the movie, in <laughs> fact, is called Red Rock West. What the fuck? <laughs> Never. Heard I know, of this. right? I know. Why is this the second? <laughs> God, where are we going to get to movies that I'm looking forward to watching? That's the beauty of it. We get to find out. Because guess what? Um, Just for the folks at home, uh, if you're interested, this movie is available for free on Crackle. I think you have to put up with ads, but it is free to watch on Crackle if you look up Red Rock West. So next week, that's what we're going to be watching. Hayden, tell the folks at home what you got going on. Besides getting coronavirus in an hour and a half and getting over it. (laughs) Tell us Um, Tell us about your books. Plug your books, man. Huh? Okay. So, um, I mean, everything's kind of on hold right now with the pandemic going on. I don't know if you guys, you guys hear about this? Y'all hear about this? This pandemic going on? That's my Jay Leno. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. I'm kind of thankful that he's not still doing late night with all this going on. (laughs) Do you hear about this? Like from his home on his webcam? Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear about this? And and, and just 100% decked out in, in denim. And just like in a car. Yeah. In his garage, <laughs> yeah, with the car on, yeah, he's dying. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, I mean, as far as like plugging uh, upcoming books, uh, I think uh, so. Oh God, um, let me see. So, what monsters do for love, Volume One, came out earlier this year. Um, that has, I think, my sixth or seventh sold short story in it, um, called Last Kiss. Um, and then Jenny Ritter Pet Sitter, which is a very short um, kind of kids horror story that I wrote, should be available or will be available in. Uh, and then uh, another story of mine, Jenny Ritter Pet Sitter, which is a short kids horror story I wrote, will be available in Mother Ghosts Grim Volume 2, which will be out soon. They've had me... <laughs> Like they've uh, they've kind of had to postpone the release, so just keep send me a message on Instagram at Hayden Comes Alive, and I'll give you as much information as I have. And then I don't want to speak too soon, but I've signed the contract and I've accepted the money for it, so uh, I should have another story coming out later this year in Roadkill Volume Five, and it'll be published alongside. Uh, one of my friends, Corey Lamb's story, and then several other well-respected Texas authors, including uh, Joe Lansdale and Casey Lansdale's daughter. So that's pretty exciting. All right, good. That's what awesome, man. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to plug, so you can just find me at the underscore red underscore clay on Twitter. Um, not really a whole lot going on over there at the moment, but hey, you know, come you can always come give a follow and, and come say hi. Um, probably gonna find me yelling at people on the internet because what else do i have to do um anyway i think that's uh that's our our show hayden i um i just have i just have uh i just have one question for you hayden before we go out what's that clay you want you want to smoke (laughs) i look cool (laughs) all right (laughs) have a good week everybody